Hello and welcome. It is a truly next-gen edition of the TetraCast, now that George has joined us in the modern era. Finally. So, uh, George is here today. I am Brian Vitale. I am hosting, I guess, because that's what I've been doing. Oh, yeah, I'm joined by George Foster. Hello, everyone. We've got Josh Torres. Hi, hi. Uh, Adam Vitale. Hello. And James Galizio. Hey, folks. So we are already in, like, the last third of November. So it feels like finally, maybe this year is finally kicking into normal speed after months of purgatory and hyperbolic time chamber or room of spirit and time, if that's your preference. So it's, it's weird to finally be like having the end of the year in sight. I don't know. It seems like things are maybe going back to normal, but then I look at the, you know, the numbers for the for the pandemic cases and they're not any better they're in fact worse than they've ever been so yeah, weird times we're, 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 we're far, stay we're safe far everyone yeah. yeah like two and a half three weeks from now it's gonna be uh it's gonna be scary yeah so the, the, i guess i guess just to top it all like you know for a lot of us and especially in the in the, the united states north america north america the you now the thanksgiving is coming up you know, people want to see their families and whatnot, and you know, respect whatever you want to do. Just remember, to stay safe, mask up, and um, you know, keep keep the ones that you love and yourself, uh, you know, away from danger as much as possible. If you, know, you do but, travel, do try to quarantine afterwards, just just in case. You know, at least take yeah, that responsibility. Uh, at the very least, you know, have a have a safe and awesome holiday, whatever you decide to, uh, you know, celebrate. And with that out of the way, next gen. Uh, let's open up with, uh, I suppose, let's go to George. You posted a nice picture of you receiving your PS5. It was about <laughs> as tall as you are. Uh, yeah, you should use that, like a, use that as like the banner image or like the, the thumbnail. The front. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was such an awful photo. I, I took that and I was so excited. But I didn't look over it. I was like, I look so short. And because I'm trying to hold the PS4 and show off my crash shirt, I was like, it's like, yeah, you've got, like, good. You've got like the MySpace angle going on where it's like aimed <laughs> down uh, so it yeah. makes it look shorter. And then you've got this giant thing in your arm. Yes. Yeah, so so, okay, let, let, let me ask let me ask it this way. Uh what was the first disc or game that you downloaded onto your PS4? What's the first thing you played? Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh. No surprise to anyone. Yeah, I, I just I wanted to to christen it like that. Um there wasn't much difference, like in my opinion. I'm not really good with seeing like oh this is this has turned from 55 frames to 60 amazing but like it's the same great game low time it, it feels it feels smoother i tried it out too and like it like i loaded up a save i was like this feels smoother than ps4 pro it's, it's still like it's not like a crazy difference but it just it just feels like a nicer experience uh, just a tad bit good yeah did you, I, did you originally play it george on a regular or a pro i actually bought my pro to play Kingdom Hearts 3 because I, I figured <laughs> when they did uh, 0.2 and they were like, okay, you've got the 60 frames option if you play on pro. I was like, oh, they might do that for the full game. Uh, and I actually, I can't even remember now if playing it on the original PS4 lowers the frame rate. Like, I'm, I'm it, really not it, sure. The, the performance isn't great on the base feed before. I've, I've tried it. Oh, no. Well, then I'm glad, I, I'm glad I upgraded for that. But looking back, it was like that, that was less than a year or maybe only a little bit more than a year till the PS5 came out. So maybe there was no point. But yeah, I played a bit of Kingdom Hearts 3, and then I played Astro Bot, which is magical. Just grin on my face the whole time I was playing it. It's one of those games where it's like, 
I want to say, why aren't more people talking about it? But people are. They're, they're all saying it's fantastic. Uh, it's just, I think, when a game is just so universally agreed upon to be that good, it's just like leaves out the conversation of it. I think I think it's really good that one, it's a pack-in game uh, that like just it's readily available for everyone who bought a PS5, and two, that it's kid-friendly. I think that's really the key thing that a lot of like launch titles miss is that you know people who get this for the holidays or Christmas and whatnot, like especially for their kid, like they're gonna ask, what can I? You know, get this, get for this, like for my kid, that'll be appropriate for them because you know there's a lot of violent video games out these days, and I think that, and arguably maybe Bug Snacks, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> at least Astros Player Room, you know, uh, definitely kid friendly all the way through. Yeah, and it, it's one of those cases where I saw someone say that it, they argue it out Nintendo's Nintendo, and like I, I kind of see what they mean because it, it's such a great like demo for the controller itself but it's also just just really happy like i was playing it and like mm-hmm. it's it's fairly difficult uh if you're trying to speed run it but besides that it's just like just such a nice experience and i was i was grinning every time a playstation reference came up like when i saw sly cooper being referenced i saw resident evil just all these little things and i was like i would take a, a much longer game a much harder game just full of the astrobots i know there's a vr game but you know, I'm not a massive fan of VR, so I wasn't really going to dive into that. But I really hope that the, it sees the sort of potential of these guys, and they go, "Yeah, go make more." Does the PS5? Uh, this this is someone. This is coming from someone who doesn't have a console. Does the PS5 version of Astrobot have a VR support or mode or gameplay thing? Or no, it like, no, it's a non-VR. Yeah, PSVR is supported on PS5 for PSVR games, but there's nothing. No, there's no native support for. Um, PSVR and PS5 games. It's not, really like, it's not like enhanced. It's like you have to get an adapter that they'll send to you, but it's not like any and like a super enhanced version or anything. You're still, you know, getting the the same experience as you would. Um, I would say that like when you brought up the Nintendo comparison, it's the closest like Wii Sports equivalent. It's not. It's not necessarily you know like on the on the level like what Wii Sports did for the Wii, but it, it's getting there. It's a step forward. To there does that the longevity yeah. of maybe yeah, sports? Like, probably okay. not like that does that the replayability and whatnot but it's it's it has something to it yeah and I, I was like i was super impressed with that um and then after that it has just been uh trying to play mars morales try and finish that uh and that is absolutely fantastic I, i'm are on you, the last mission now are you playing uh with uh performance or fidelity on that oh performance performance all the way oh, yeah, I, I did i did do the fidelity but it's like I, I get I get why you would because it really does show off ray tracing, but I'm not really the sort of person who will stop on the buildings and go, "Wow, like I can see that guy across the, the street." The nice thing, the nice thing that they did that uh, Insomniac did for that is even if your performance, if you go into photo mode, that will enable ray tracing in the photo mode. Even yes, yeah, I did notice that. Uh, it, like the the first sign for me that this was really next gen, and it sounds stupid because this is something that I'm sure PC players have all the time, and we can literally do it on on Discord like right now. We can have someone share their screen and we can all watch. But my brother and I were playing Mars Morales at the same time, uh, and I said to him, "I was like, oh, uh, do do like screen sharing. Let me see what you're doing. You can see what I'm doing, and then we'll we'll do a race from one side of the map to the other." That's and, fun. That's awesome. Yeah, like, oh, it was so cool. I, and we were doing it, and like we were just laughing the whole time. And I was like, 
this is this is just like a really like ghetto version of like multiplayer <laughs> activities. This is just like really like handmade and oh yeah, yeah. do that. But it was it was just that moment of like connecting. I never I never thought of like of like how that could be utilized, but that's a really smart way to do it because you yeah, know, the, the picture in picture thing with the PS Five. I, I won. Well, even obviously. even single player games, it's cool to have that little. I don't know if I want to call it multiplayer, but that social interaction. And I've seen people talk about how the PS5's video capture and sharing and streaming capabilities are actually pretty damn good. I know after about a year or so, the PS4's sharing capability was almost kind of like disparaged. Like if you were sharing yeah, your totally. stream from the PS4, it was kind of like, eh, don't you have a better way of doing this? But the PS5, <laughs> it really, it, PS5 it seems like they've really stepped up their game. And it's, if you're, it's, I don't know about streaming. I haven't seen much. Well, I mean, yes, you have. Have I? Oh, because you were playing. uh, Yeah, remote play. Yeah, like um, one thing that. um, Sorry to kind of button in the on the conversation here, but um, since I'm sure not many people are going to be talking about this, but the remote play for PS5 is greatly improved from PS4 because I actually had a bit of experience using remote play on PS4. Um, Like uh, when I did my Iceborne review last year. Um, for a good portion of the time that I had review code, I was actually visiting my parents for a bit. So I had to, I didn't want to lug my PS4 around. So I ended up just trying out remote play to see how it would work and ended up uh, doing, like, dropping like, I'd say like 40, 50 hours into the game, just like streamed, which wasn't great, but it was doable. So since I've had that experience, I can say with no uncertainty that, uh, Remote play on PS5 is a lot better. The latency is greatly improved. Granted, I'm in the best case scenario with the PS5 hooked up over the Ethernet and whatnot, but latency is greatly improved, and the visual artifacting is, for the most part, like very, very hard to notice. It's like actually... yeah, I remember you mentioning that like last week as well. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really nice, um, and I'm. Guessing that it uses the same, like, uh, I know the PS4 had like a dedicated chip or something for the strip, like, share, um, sharing processing or something. I'm guessing, I'm not sure if there's like a dedicated chip on the PS5 for it this time around, too, or if it's just running off the Zen 2 cores. But whatever solution they've got going seems to work pretty well. And I'm assuming that um, whatever's uh, handling the remote play stuff is just the same process that would be handling actual like streaming like twitch or something now james have you uh i don't know i don't know the details of this but i've seen people mention it that it's possible have you remote played from ps5 to ps4 and then from ps4 to vita yet it's not possible the people that Uh, are saying it is you so here's what here's the thing you can strip so you can remote play your ps4 on vita and then start the ps5 remote play app and if you don't go from there, you'd think that it works. You can start the app, but as soon as you start trying to connect, it'll error out saying, error cannot start PS5 remote play. PS4 is being remote played too. So, uh, so internet like lied to me. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I thought I could trust everything on this place. So George, what if, uh, t- tell me some of your thoughts on like Miles Morales compared to like the base game, because I really enjoyed it a lot. I liked it. The I liked the more condensed nature of it. But uh, what do you think? I so for a little bit of context, uh, I've said it before. Spider-Man PS4, I absolutely loved. 
and Into the Spider-Verse is mm. my second favourite film of all time. Um, very good. First being Scott Pilgrim. So I'm, so I'm very basic like that, but I absolutely, I've seen it like seven, eight times. It's like if someone pops it on, it's one of those films. I'm just like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll watch it. I'll watch it again. Why not? Uh, so I was really not anxious, but I just really wanted to see what they did with Miles to make him his own character. Um, because I felt like in the original PS4 release, he, he just was, wasn't really like that developed. I know they were saving it, but I didn't really like his character too much. Uh, and then playing through this, I like I really like what they're doing with them. Uh, the mission I've just done before the ending is like just just one of those moments. I was like, yeah, they they Insomniac really get Spider Man, uh, and I'm loving the new web swinging. I I, I couldn't go back to Spider Man PS4 now. Like, yeah, they have really cool animations for Miles uh, during his web uh, swinging. Like he has his own style and own personality as he swings around. Yeah, and like I at this point, I would really like like spider-man 2 to be not not just a miles adventure but like if you had the choice between peter and miles like that'd be awesome because you think they're gonna do like co-op some sort of co-op or switching between them <sighs> i i don't know because they they've put so much emphasis on this being miles's story and that this isn't a peter story that part of me thinks that for two they'll go okay yeah this is a peter story but i would love that like i, I that's what i want from it from spider-man 2 i want like a hint that they're doing something with like Venom, and I want the two of them to be like a, a, a tour de force. Like I really want it to focus on the two of them. Yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna miss Venom powers if it's only Peter and he has no Venom powers. I really like the Venom powers, and they gotta find like a like a replacement for him because it it just like it feels like there's something added to the game that can never be taken away now. Like the new trick system is just perfect. Like. I, I felt like I was the only person who ever did tricks like swinging around in the original because they were just so like you had to hold triangle and circle and they were they didn't really have a point to them they just looked kind of cool and then now they've made it so that as you do them you get more venom power as you swing around so you can like boost and fly around a bit more it's just it's it's so cool are you using um, the um spider verse suit oh yeah yeah oh the with, way with with the, with the uh with the movie type effects with frame rate I don't know if frame rate is the right it, word but with that them, it that bugged me at first. I was like, because I was so used to sixty frames, I was like, oh god. And then I, I had it on for a bit, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is still awesome. Like, I, obviously, I get what I got what they were trying to do, but for some reason, it messed my eyes for a bit. It, you kind of have to get um, used to it. Like, and I, I don't I haven't played this game, but I've watched people play with that suit, and it looks weird for like the first like two minutes, and then I don't know, then it just kind of like becomes normal, and you're like, oh yeah, I get it. I, I yeah, couldn't it, get over it. I I, I took it off. <laughs> yeah, I, I did for a bit, and then I was like, no, it feels it feels like one of those things where like I have to have it on. And then when I swapped to a new suit, so I just unlocked the um, Mars Morales twenty twenty suit, and I had I still had the uh, Into the Spider Verse thing on. I didn't even notice. I was like, why does this look weird? Like, oh yeah. So I, I guess yeah, you really do just get used to it. I uh, love the twenty twenty suit. That that was my once I unlocked it. That's what I stuck with for the whole game. Yeah, I've still got that. I'm going to keep that on for a bit. Just, just going to clear up some side mission stuff before finishing it off. Which is like, people, I think people are really mixed on the length of it, but I think it's perfect. Like, I look back, I, I was getting to some of the later missions and I was going, okay, like, I wouldn't mind seeing this wrap up now. Like, maybe that's just because I'm stressed now and I've got Demon Souls and Sackboy to get through, but it's like, I just feel like this really is the perfect length for it. Um, especially for what it is, and I'd much rather have something that feels this distinct from the original, and 
like is like just so compact but well done than like something that's really drawn out and made me go like i don't want to replay this or, well as busy as know. insomniac has been in the last couple of years considering they're also making ratchet and they're not that far removed from the base spider-man like i think a very compact focused project is just kind of like smart and cool and just it just makes sense now does it hook into spider-man at all like it sees a save file and gives you suits or, or anything like that or is it wholly independent Fully independent, as far as I'm aware. Wow. I haven't. I I've got the Ultimate Edition, but I still haven't installed um, Spider-Man Remastered. It's it's on the to-do list, but I just haven't found the energy to. Yeah, I'm not. I, sure I, I spent so much time platinum that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I think. think it I, I think that's fine. I was just I was just curious. So sometimes yeah, I, I see these. Go ahead. I think it still does suffer the same same problems that like the original did. Where like there there are, you know. But once you infiltrate this lab, you're and then it opens up these same missions for like every lab. Like, not, none of it feels like distinct from then on, right? So you do this yeah. one, you keep yeah. on doing the same thing again. Again, it still suffers from that problem. It, at least it's like, as you said, there, there's less of it because it's a lot like you know more condensed game and whatnot. But they they need to find something for the follow up that really kind of solves or rectifies that problem because I don't want them to do this again of like oh. There's this lab that I've infiltrated, and then it's like after you do this uh, in the story mission, uh, it opens up like seven more of these labs. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, it's like that's it. We're, I hope we're, we're past this kind of sort of open world activity that it's so formulaic and it's not really that interesting to do after you do it once and twice. And I feel like that's maybe my only, literally my only issue with the game so far is yeah. that Insomniac's mission design is either really, really good, like, certain boss fights, or it's, like, just kind of middling, and just, like, very pre-2015 Assassin's Creed, like, <laughs> it always feels kind of similar, and it, it doesn't bug me that much, because it, it's always telling an interesting story, but there are times when I'm like, you know, give me more, like, missions like the Raft Escape from the from the first game, like, don't don't give me these, like, crawling through vents and doing the, the stuff. One thing, the one thing... The one thing I do like uh, from that game where it had that structure was, I don't know if you've reached this yet, yet, where you collect audio samples. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I'm on that yeah. now. So there's like a narrative like uh, between uh, that audio samples after you do each one. Like it's it's kind of distinct enough on its own where basically the, the, the whole side mission is you take out like this um, sa- sound sample and you're trying to match it up to the environment. And like there's a narrative purpose on why you're trying to collect these samples. And every time you do one of these side missions, it, it uh, covers more of the story of like, certain side characters with one another and that's a, a really cool way to contextualize that so if they find a way to like have that sort of structure and make that uh like side narrative more of like an intricate thing but the side activity that you're doing that's cool like i i yeah. really yeah. that. i i would say i did predict this would sort of be the case but miles morales is definitely in the top five games of this year for me it's I it's mm-hmm. yeah I'm really, of, really enjoying it. One of these days, George will screw up on the podcast. He'll play a game and he'll be like, you know what? I, I wasn't feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying uh, to being, think of one recently, but I can't even think of one. Being uh, serious, have you, have you touched? Have you, no, it's fine to be like, I don't want to be too like dour. It's, it's cool that there's so many games and you're like, you know what? I, I like all of them. I have nothing. <laughs> it's, you know, especially, you know, in the you know environment of this year. Have you played... Uh, put, have you put significant time into anything else on PS5 other than Astro or Miles? I know you only got it a couple of days ago. I don't know how hard you've been marathoning uh, that so thing. 
I played about an hour of Demon Souls just because I wanted a, a bit of a change up. Order Wait, did you guys just hear that? Yeah, I was gonna say. Sorry, no problem. So I've put about an hour into Demon Souls so far, um, and I'm I'm enjoying that. But I know that that's going to be something I really want to experience on its own. So I didn't re when you when you have a console launch, I kind of find that you're just switching between like three or four different games at once. Like, oh, finish this, and then I'll jump back into that and jump into that. But I, I'm kind of done with that. I just want to play one, finish it, then move on to the other in my own time. Uh, so that that like it looks fantastic. It is unreal how good that game looks. And that's even on performance mode, but I was literally just, I was just sat there. It's like, a false performance mode, which I yeah. think was the right call because, like, I even switched to resolution mode, and it's just not worth it. it, it no, really, I agree. It, it still looks amazing in performance mode. You can hardly tell the difference unless you're really, really, like, squinting and looking closely. So, it, it's, like, I think it's easy to say that Demon Souls PS5, at least right now, is probably the best-looking video game out there well it's it's yeah. like the it's the next gen game at this point right because everything else has this caveat where it's like oh it's cross-gen or it's available somewhere else or, you know. yeah it, I'll, be, I'll be like, like astro's playroom and that are like the only true next gen or current gen exclusives yeah. like this, else. this is gonna sound weird but josh um, and george i'm gonna ask you if you feel the same way but it's like you know how, like, in previous console gen, like, launches that, like, there's always a launch title that's, like, a cut above, and it's like, yeah, this is, this is great, it looks like an X-Gen game, but then, like, a few years later, it's like, yeah, you can tell it was a launch game then. I'm, yeah, I know what you mean. PS5 doesn't feel like a launch game. I feel like even, like, three years from now, people are going to be like, man, that's a great-looking video game. Yeah, I think, I think in its art direction is going to stand the test of time. Um, I actually don't think any of the any of the launch games off the top of my head come off as like that sort of stigma. So if I think back to PS4, it's Killzone, Shadowfall, and Knack. And like I know Knack's a meme, but I look back on those two and it doesn't really like it. They, they don't seem significant. And Killzone's like quite a, a big franchise for PlayStation for some people, but it just doesn't. Not, seem... not to push back against James's thesis, but sometimes I look back at uh, it wasn't a launch game, but a launch window. Uh, Second Son, and oh, I, yeah. still, I still think like that that game I think was kind of the first instance of being an early game. But then I go back to it and you're like, you know what? This still looks like pretty damn good. You know what? That's fair. And like right after I said that, I thought, wait a second, Wipeout 2048 is still like the best looking game on Vita. You know what's a damn good launch game? Tekken Tag Tournament. Tekken Tag Tournament Two Wii U Edition. But but I I totally get where where James is coming from because uh like as George mentioned after I was done in Miles Morales I kind of you know dabbled a very little into Valhalla like an hour just to get past that tutorial like tutorial beginning section I'm still not completely out of it but I was like okay you know what I want to go like super like hard into Demon Souls because this is like uh, like it's time to like just full put my full attention energy into it. And like I've already like you know gone I'm like already at New Game Plus for like a character, I, but I like rerolled to like another character because I want to try another build. So I'm already getting to that like rabbit hole vortex, and like it is so like it is it's weird. It's such a weird game because it's one of those games that's like inside and out visually, like everything is new. But when you put your hands on the controller and you actually play the game, it's like it's still the same Demon Souls that you like know and love like from muscle memory and like knowing stage layouts and like the enemies like it's 
it's just a whole polish of like you know paint of like graphically performance wise and how it makes use of like you know the ps5's features of not even just the controller but also the activity cards on there so like when you boot up the ps5 and you just want to say hey i want to go to like this level like you don't even have to like boot up the game you can just go to like the the ps5 activity section for the game and like it'll list out like hey here are like the arch stones that you have on the unlock and like say oh i'm like at boletaria one two and i want to go to uh the plague swamp five two and you have that arch stone unlock like there's be a, there'll be an activity card to it it's like okay i want to go there just hit play and like it'll boot up the game and go there immediately i think the the actual implementation of it is kind of on my end like a bit weird because you have to wait like a few minutes for it to actually like load up because there'll be like some hitching like at least on my end uh for I it but, had that issue because yeah 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 but, so i, I yeah. like but i think i think it's a, a really cool showcase of like what like the the potential of next gen is of like how you structure these games of like not having to like go through a hub or like a menu and just you just want to play right away and that's really cool and also this is one of the very few games where i like i really really dabble with photo mode because there's so like it's such a beautiful game like that the uh, the option to just freeze frame any moment that you do so like i freeze frame a moment during like the, the storm king fight when i was doing a storm ruler um sl- like vertical slash and like and i had like the perfect like frame of that and then i put like a visual filter like a winter filter over it and like to me that looks super freaking incredible and the way you can just like zoom in very close and see like the how high quality like the uh, art assets are for that game are just insane like i'm just like i'm i'm blown away at like how like the amount of like thought and effort that went into this remake i think the only issue i have with this game like divergences in art direction aside from like you know the original from software to blue point and like some of the enemy redesigns like that that's very take it or leave it at some point and that'll be very subjective i think the only thing that really bugs me about this game is some of the the reimagined boss bgm on the uh, on the switch like an orchestral uh approach to it and having a live orchestra for it like i think there are definitely some fights that are just downright inferior because it kind of ruins the mood of like what the original evoked like the the most astounding example is the made in australia fight like the made in australia track in the original demon souls is one of the most iconic tracks in that whole thing and i'm like i'm just like super bummed that the remake totally missed the mark on that yeah i think now that i'm mostly through it because i still basically i just have one dashboard left i have um i've already done both uh um dragon god and um old monks so i basically just have um Shrine of Storms, 4-2, 4-3, and then Valor Defilement, 5-2, 5-3. So I'm almost done. I've seen the majority of the game at this point. Um, I'm actually, the environments, I feel like for the most part, they completely nailed them. Like, I have some yeah. small issues with the way that um, Voltaria actually, like, um, the one dash levels are like overgrown in sections where it's like well the demon invasion is only like recent why is everything so overgrown but like all the other areas i feel like they just absolutely nailed the uh, remake aesthetics for them and i'm I'm happy to say that like stone fang have no issues shrine of storms i think 
is basically a perfect representation of the original's like feelings, but obviously rendered at much higher fidelity. Tower of Latria, besides like, I actually do like the new designs for the uh, the Bell Jailers, but I can understand why some folks are a bit taken aback by it. But overall, I'm just it especially since the original is so fresh in my memory, because I didn't actually play the original Demon Souls until last year, like late last year. So going back through it, it's like, huh, yeah, this this does remind me of the original feeling, even if it's not obviously not a complete one-to-one representation. I feel like overall they've done a damn good job at maintaining the feeling of those areas and just bringing them up to like a higher visual standard and whatnot. So I'm, I'm very pleased about that. It just feels to g- good to play. Like it's just one of those games that's like, hey, you're in there. It feels super responsive. I'm running at a high frame rate, and like having really, really insane short load times throughout it. And there's like a lot of like good quality of life improvements that doesn't really hinder or like break the spirit of the game. Like being able to travel to other archstones from other worlds instead of having to go back through the nexus every time. It's a good quality of life change, and that's something that doesn't get in the way. All, all, all the things that like would alter the game is like behind just like uh, a statue that you can pay souls for at the at the nexus and like you can have like a fractured mode which just mirrors the whole entire game horizontally and like that's a cool addition that like doesn't you don't have to use it if you don't want to but it really like alters the game because it really messes with your muscle memory of like uh, of like how you remember these levels they're now flipped over to the other side it's like it's a small thing on the surface but it actually like you know it, it it's a it's a nice thing to have that varies up the game you can play it in different filters, like uh, how you could in the Shadow of the Colossus remake that really, you know, changes the game visually. You can uh, you can cha- alter the appearance of your character at any time through that statue as well. So, like, um, if you wanted to, like, switch to another, even, like, another body type, like, uh, or another, like, you know, different faces, different hairstyles and whatnot. And also, just say th- the, the original was very infamous uh, for this, like, when... Uh, when the PS3 triggers were still really fucking bad, like when you just set it down, it just hit, you hits R2 and you hit an, uh, an NPC and they're forever hostile to you. You know, there's a way to like uh, seek forgiveness now for that mistake in the in the remake that you just paid. Oh, for I can see for. that. Yeah, yeah. That, like I don't know much about the Souls games really, but like that's just a cool little thing. Like yeah. I know when I played um, Hellpoint. I accidentally killed someone that could have given me a quest, and there was just there's, there's no going back from that. So I'm sure there's yeah. like a thing. Yeah. So and and you know the I won't spoil it here, but there was this uh, for for a few days this past week the the whole like Demon Souls community like banded together because there's a new this new mysterious door that's super out of the way, um, that uh, people couldn't find a way into. Uh, people eventually did uh, through like a crazy means, and there's a like a cool little bonus in it. For people who played the original, that like wanted something in it, and like the game didn't offer it, and now the opening that secret door, and then getting that thing is like a cool nod. Like, hey, the community wanted this back then. We're gonna give it to you. It's not like a game breaking thing or anything, and you have to really work for it. But that, that's like a cool little nod to it. And they did the same thing with Shadow of the Colossus remake, where people had to go find coins throughout the world or. or these items and then to open up this door and whatnot and it's a cool little blue point remake thing that's like you know it doesn't really get in the way of the, of the yeah, experience it's not it's not, it's not overstepping their bounds it's like yeah 
George, I, I, really, I wanted to kind of, oh, sorry, finish your thought. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just really, really impressed with how, uh, how they handle this remake. And it just feels, it, it feels good. It feels really good. And like I'm one of the strongest launch titles I've, I've played like in a while that really showcase, you know, what could the potential be for this upcoming generation? And just and while showcasing like the features of the PS5 in a strong way as well. It also just feels really nice to uh, have the multiplayer again, because like there are ways of getting multiplayer for the original, like even through RPCS3 nowadays, like emulation. But it's just there's something different about being able to pop a pop an eye stone and just like like either help or hinder like random people i uh, feel awful because like last night i was invading in trying to storms and i hopped in and the person i invaded was basically up against the wall with uh, the black phantom satsuki right at the <laughs> beginning and i was like oh man i'm so sorry <laughs> for uh i guess for uh context uh, there's a kind of infamous system in um, Demon Souls called World Tendency, where if you keep dying when in human form, it shifts the um, difficulty and the overall state of the world towards um, black or white, well, depending on what you do. If you don't die well in, like, uh, body form, then it just keeps shifting white. If you do die well in body form, it keeps shifting black. If you get the pure black World Tendency for 4-1, there's a hostile NPC that basically can one or two shot you that bum rushes you as soon as you spawn in. And I invaded as somebody was trying desperately to kill that NPC. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that also reminds me too, uh, that there's even like a help section in the game with like little mini videos that like just to help like newer players getting to this fight for the first time, like, being able to like see what things do so like if they don't know like how to two-hand a weapon like there's this, there's this little help section in the, in the settings that you can see like a really brief description and like what it, that actually looks like in the game it, it does explain a little bit of world tendency doesn't go like through the what what like the nitty-gritty of like how things work but it's just a little something like hey this is a, a mechanic that exists in the game you know look out for it and also like when you're purchasing like miracles or spells it'll actually show like a little mini video of like what that thing actually looks like and like would it be something that you want so just like little things on the side like kind of help visualize you know what you're getting into what you're investing into like that these are little smart quality of life changes that really go a big uh, a long way so george uh what do you think about the controller uh it's that that sounded really negative i don't know why i started like that it is as good as everyone's been saying uh, pretty much everything with the PS5 is as good as everyone's been saying and like really does feel like a proper generational leap. But I have to agree with Josh, the, the battery life for mine, I, I don't know whether it's just because like, I played a lot of Astrobot, but it, it doesn't like seem like an improvement from the PS4, which is a real shame because that was like the biggest issue with the controller then. Uh, I think I... the issue more came from I tried charging it whilst I was playing, and when I used to do that the PS4, You'd come away and it'd like it'd still be pretty much charged. But I, I was playing Spider Man whilst charging it for like two or three hours, and then when I took it off to like see if it was fine and not needing to be charged, it just said it needed more charge. So I guess oh, wow. maybe the issue is like don't play games while you're trying to charge it. 
Well, like always. I, have I wonder in. if that's like. I don't know how significant this is, but I ask you what you think of the controller, and the first thing you bring up is its battery life. Like, oof. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's noticeable, man. Like, I I totally agree with George. It's noticeable. Like, I, I play a few hours into it, and it's like, yeah, and just to see it say, "Hey, I I'm getting low on battery." It's like, ah, oh, all right, I guess, sure. Yeah, it's 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 the only bad thing about it. Like, besides that, it's like probably the best controller I've ever had, and like. You don't think the haptic feedback will like do much for you, but it, it's really cool. Like especially in Astrobot, Spider Man is, you, you know, it's like it's not really you, used. You, that you way. It's really like, cool in Demon Souls too. It's really cool in Demon Souls. Like there's not to spoil what it is because I do think you should see see it for yourself. But uh, Josh will know what I mean when I say that three two in Demon Souls has a really really cool implementation of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now I want to know. <laughs> um, but there's also like, like uh, small little things, like in Demon Souls, when you're using a bow, you can really feel it in the triggers, like if you're pulling back uh, to, to fire it. There's definitely resistance on that. You can feel it in Spider-Man as well when you're swinging around. Like the R2 gets a little bit, like uh, it pushes back a little bit when you're swinging around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, about the haptics, that actually reminds me. Um, one thing I really liked is that if you use like a buffing spell for... Uh, and demon souls like if you use protection it'll actually like have a slight hum to it when the um buff is active so as soon as it goes away you know because the hum goes away on the controller which is kind of neat i've seen this stuff about like jill's health and re3 and things like that the fact that it has like a little audio cue a persistent one not just like some of the stuff they did in ps4 was kind of felt like proof of concept like do you remember the uh I don't know why this came to mind, but I was thinking about it earlier in the podcast. The um, spray painting in Second Son, where you'd have like the little spray paint can uh, yeah. sound effect coming out of the controller. Was, it didn't really mean yeah. it. It was more of a gimmick than anything, but maybe it that was one of the that. that was one of the coolest aspects, like in usages of the DualShock Four, and like no games came close afterwards. Yeah, it's th- this is my worry with PS Five and with every console that launches. Uh, all these cool features, like the haptics and the triggers but i don't know if they're going to be used like i think first party sony games will really dig into them but i want to see them across the board like yeah they're, they're, it's interesting yeah. I, th- I think more developers are starting to like warm up to it as well because you see people like on the development of neo uh complete edition and neo 2 complete edition saying oh yeah we want to use that um like the producer or i think the director i forgot of uh scarlet nexus even said like, yeah, we're gonna use the dual sense in like our, our game. I I think developers are slowly starting, or not not even slowly, right? Because the console barely launched, but the, people are starting to get a sense of like more people are talking about it, both in media and mainstream. That I think like the uh, developments are starting to like see, oh, okay, like maybe we should do something with this, and hopefully that'll permeate throughout the generation as well. Yeah. And and hopefully like if this becomes standard for as a PS5, hopefully Microsoft like releases some sort of like uh, updated controller or elite uh, for the series X and S that will have like similar haptic feedback. So like, say to at least give uh, Microsoft players an option to like experience mm. this kind of thing too. I wasn't thinking Microsoft. I was thinking um, we've we've seen that Valve has very quickly introduced beta level and now on maybe full level support for the DualSense. Though obviously there's no PC games that fully take advantage of haptics but you do wonder like if a third parties are on board or hell if a sony game like horizon 
start more frequently making their way to PC in two years, three years, are we going to see that level of support become more ubiquitous outside of PS5? Like, I, I have really no idea how likely that is, but that would be fun cool. To be, fun to I, muse about. I think at the moment, it's enough of a feature. I, I personally always lean towards PlayStation anyway, but if I had to, if I really had to choose between PlayStation and Xbox and they were the same in every other category, I would still go PlayStation if it had haptic. It's, it's a cool enough little thing. Not not even just little. Sometimes it can really enhance the game, but it is enough of a feature that I'm there. Like, yeah, I, it's it's kind of a weird thing to think about too. It's like I've never really thought about like choosing between like versions of the, versions of the game because of like of the controller. It's you know, especially yeah, like, neither. Yeah, it's like it's not. It's not like people are like, oh, I'm gonna get the Wii or Wii U version of this game because I really like the motion controller. <laughs> now, or the, 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 the true <laughs> test is uh, Adam who is on the record having said like he doesn't care what controller he uses he just adapts like whether he's playing switch xbox pc or playstation <laughs> but like let's get a dual sense in adam's hands and see if we can lead him one direction or the other that's tough that's tough adam's, adam's oh. picky <laughs> he, he's I, uh pleading the fifth so this is the, this is kind of a weird thing about like the controller that I really like personally, because sometimes I just like like to play like games, but not want to hear the games. I just want to like just see them, but not necessarily like I'm like listening to like music or something. If you hold down the like the microphone controller uh, or the microphone button on the controller, it'll just like mute all game audio and all the haptic feedback. So you're just you're still playing the game, it's just completely mute, and there's like no haptic feedback or vibration or anything. So it's like for me, that's a nice thing because I like listening to like music and stuff at times as I'm playing and whatnot. So I just. To have that just be on board, and I don't have to like go through like this my sound mixer and like man- manually do it myself. It's just like a built-in feature. Is you know for me personally a really cool thing. Um, but yeah, I feel pretty good about the prospects of stuff like the adaptive trigger, trigger and haptic feedback in uh, third-party games, uh, especially the haptic feedback. Because um, one thing to note is that. Switch already has HD Rumble, which is the same concept and the same technology. So ideally, more, like any game that comes out on both PS5 and Switch should be able to have like haptic feedback on both because the way it works is through like audio files. So it shouldn't be too difficult to... Well, I say that, which uh talk about it a bit later, but uh, unfortunately, Puyo Puyo Tetris 2 doesn't have it, even though the first game had it on Switch, so unfortunately. But um, it's been really neat, though, seeing people like taking these videos of different games, having different support for the triggers, and like even though I'm never going to play Call of Duty Cold War for a variety of reasons, it's fascinating seeing the way the adapter triggers are used there, which... And, just like from looking at it, it's probably arguably even better than some of the Sony first-party implementations. Oh, that, that actually yeah, surprises me yeah. because it's not only a third-party game, but a cross-gen. Well, maybe it's not surprising it's a cross-gen game because pretty much all of them, other than Demon Souls and Astrobot, are. But there's a yeah. third-party developer on a cross-gen game looking at a PS5 feature and like, implementing it. You haven't played it, but I do know some people that have, and the way it works is is that so depending on the weight of the gun itself the L2 button has more resistance. So when you're trying to aim down sights, if it's like a huge like bazooka or a rocket launcher, it has like more resistance to it for you to even start aiming in that way. And then each and every gun has a different like um, 
profile for the right adaptive trigger, which simulates the the kickback you would have got you would get on an actual like that actual gun, which is really really neat. That's sometimes I feel like Call of Duty is an easy target to like poo poo on. Like that, what you've just described is like legitimately like outside the box thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That 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 is. I, I kind of want to play it just to like, like a demo it. Just like I want to, I want to feel what this is. I need, I need to order yeah, that, dual sense. That's my thinking as well. Maybe, maybe, like maybe a, I should, just, maybe I should just get a PS Five. All right, that's okay. Go ahead. Good luck getting one, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll check. Saying, I'll check back in March. I'm just saying this is a freaking proper like time, the proper generation to release like a sequel to Folklore. Man, the the only game that actually did like the the six axis justice. Folklore that 2. That was the game that. that did the six axis justice. Rem- oh remember okay, okay. Folklore was a PS3 game where um the, the mechanic of it was you're using these two protagonists, and it's kind of like Pokemon-esque in the sense that you're trying to suck the soul out of like enemies. So like when you um attack them, uh they'll eventually get to a state where you can suck the soul out of them. So you kind of like release like a spiritual tether to them, and then you have to flick up on the six axis to like get the get it out. And it was such a cool concept back then. It is so cool. I, love I think folklore. the only game that comes to mind that I can think of that uses six axis, like right off the top of my head, is Ratchet and Clank Tools of Destruction. Those little mini games used to pop up all the time, and they were never fun. I feel like I was I was thinking this when I played Astrobot. You you constantly run into these PlayStation references and like uh, PlayStation Tech, and it has like a little quip for them, like saying uh, the PlayStation Four promised greatness and delivered more, or whatever. And then I ran into the six axis and I was like, you know what? I think that was my least favorite controller I've ever used. Like it just felt so plasticky and cheap. And oh, yeah. make- <laughs> it was one of those things that like Sony legally couldn't put like the vibration rumble function in it until they had to like settle a court case. And then they're like, oh yeah, here's the dual shot three. Yeah, it, it was, was just after all. <laughs> it, yeah, it was crap. And like to to tie that back into PS5, this is their best controller. It's like the the biggest departure they've had from anything they've done before, but like it, it's totally worth it. It looks awesome. It feels awesome. It feels expensive. Like it feels heavy and like weighty in your hands. Yes. Like so I, 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 I like I mentioned last week. Like I need a weighty controller. That's my main gripe against the Switch controller is that it's like a feather. I don't like that. Give me a Switch Pro controller that's like ten pounds. Okay, maybe not ten pounds, but I need some heft to it. Oh yeah, the sense is great for that. The other thing is that um, it just really feels solid. Like I think I said this before, but the DualShock Four it feels like it's like really creaky and it it flexes like when you use it. If you're like the Dual Sense, it feels really solid. You don't have to worry about that. It feels much more like the build quality for like the Xbox One controller, if that makes sense. The way that that feels in your hand, kind of. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Also, who here has used the Xbox Elite controller? Uh, Brian and I both have one. Yeah. yeah, James, how would you compare the Xbox Elite to the PS5 controller? Well, it, it's kind of kind of um, easy to say the Elite controller feels better in your hand, especially the V2, because it has heft to it. The grips are really nice. Um, it feels like as it should for a one hundred and eighty dollar controller, it feels premium. But um, <laughs> yeah, price, what, what's a dual sense? Is this dual sense? If I wanted to buy a second dual sense, it's sixty or seventy. Seventy. Uh, yeah, seventy. Well, sixty. Like, here, uh, 70. It's like the price of a new video game, man. Yeah, 
I, I do it. feel like though it it feels worth the increase in the price because this is yeah. the best controller that Sony's ever made. I like the color. This this how this is so like trivial, but I like the coloring better on the Elite One. But my grip on the Elite One has actually like come off a little bit. So that's after like heavy heavy use though. So maybe that's just me. Um, no, it's that's a problem the Elite One had. Um, one of the things I actually did with the Elite Two to kind of counteract that is it's not a separate piece of like rubber. It's literally etched into the um, rubber on the controller, so it's not a separate layer. It's just yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not like a controller connoisseur, but I've got like these stands right below my desk where I've got a Dual Sense hanging. I've got an Elite One, an Elite Two, uh, a Switch Pro controller. I do have one of those. Uh, I like the Elite, I like using the Elite Two the most uh, so far, but I haven't tried the Dual Sense yet, and I'm I'm eager to based on this. I discussion. think I think this, uh, the thing that surprised me the most about the the switch to like the Dual Sense uh, for Sony was they didn't um, incorporate the. You remember the the back attachment to the controller that came out barely like I don't know a year ago or maybe earlier this year? I can't even remember for the for the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had to build those those back paddles on it. Like, I'm kind of surprised they didn't like build that into the dual sense, or go have like a dual sense leap down the road or something. Because I remember people talking about that. It's like, yeah, we really like it. The these I've back met, paddles. Have uh, uh, so those paddles are obviously on both elites, but I've never really gotten into the mindset of using them. I never, really, I don't really treat them like a feature. Maybe I, maybe I'm being stubborn just because I'm not used to them. Over, not. I would definitely say that I wish the dual sense had them, but I'm not angry they're not there because there's like so much that's been added to the controller, anyways. But yeah, like I, I love the back paddles on the Elite controller. I also wasn't sure if I was going to like them until I finally like found a game that I just started using them with. Like when I was doing my East Origin Nightmare playthrough, uh, it really helped because I was able to charge up magic attacks while still being able to uh, jump and attack without like letting go of the magic charge, which is really, really useful if you're on the heart, if you're doing a nightmare run. But, um, yeah. God. I was thinking something, I just lost my train of thought. No problem. So my, here's, how about this? How about this train of thought? Josh, George, and James. Man, your guys' names are too similar. That's <laughs> that's why I get you guys mixed up sometimes. Uh, what do you think, this is a loaded question, Maybe, but what do you think about how the console looks? I love your systems. Yeah. I yeah, feel like that, I'm maybe the only one, the only one out of the three of us, judging from last week. I really like it. It just it, it towers above literally everything else in my room. Like it, it almost stands as tall as the TV. But like, uh, kind of yeah. like that. Like it draws a lot <laughs> of like attention to it. For better or worse, if you walk into someone's house, you will know if they own a PlayStation 5. <laughs> you, will you, guys, know, you, you will judge them right there. And then. Do, do you guys all have it vertically? I have no. it horizontally. horizontally. Not because, not oh, because I want to, but, but out of necessity. I'm not I, sure. I, I'm, I've, all, I've always had all my consoles horizontally. I've never put any of them vertically. Ever. George, oh, how about you? Now I remember what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I'm curious um, how I'm going to enjoy the other next generation controller this time around, the Series uh, XS uh, Xbox controller, because um, my one problem, it's not even that, that big of a problem with the DualSense, because the D-pad isn't bad, it's just okay. Yeah, but, it's, it's just sort of there, isn't it? Like, there's, I yeah. would say 
bit webby about it. But I've been hearing a lot of good things about the new Xbox controller's D-pad, which is ironic considering, like, for, like, the original Xbox and the 360, Microsoft was infamous for having the worst D-pad. And now it looks like... Sorry, I just the minute the minute you mentioned Xbox D pad, I think of that. I don't know who prefers this. Maybe one of you do, and I have going to eat my words soon. But that that dish sort of D pad. Remember, you could like swap out the the four axis one with that that dome, that like a concave dish thing. Uh, I don't know. Does anyone like that thing? I don't know. <laughs> I, I I literally can't think what you mean though. Uh, it's like a it's like an eight axis round ish hex. Is it a hexagon or is it? Ten-sided. It's like a dish thing that acts as a D-pad. Are you talking about the one that comes default installed on the Elite controller that you can swap out for normal D-pad? Uh, D-pad? Yeah, maybe it's default because I always switch to the to the simple plus sign four-axis D-pad as soon as I can because I don't that that eight-axis dish. You don't like change. I call it dish dish as in like satellite dish. That's, oh, that's I just looked at it. Yeah, I've just Google. I had to Google it a little bit to find. <laughs> it, but yeah, I, I don't like that. Like, maybe I'm boring, but that you know. It, it feels like weird that. because whenever you see discussions of controllers online, the D pad is always like a point of contention. I find myself pretty insensitive to like most D pads, with the exception. Again, I feel like I'm bullying it at this point. Oh, the Switch D pad. The Switch D-pad is, like, bad enough where, like, I remember playing Fire Emblem Three Houses last year. You, know, you press, like, left or right on the D-pad, and it goes up or down on the menu because it's that, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hell, dude. Yep. So as long, as long as it's better than that, I'm, I'm, t- I'm typically okay with it. On these days, I'm going to open up my Pro Controller and do the tape mod. But the fact that you have to mod a controller to make sure it doesn't have phantom inputs is a really bit... Like... Worst D-pad Nintendo's ever done. Like, it doesn't feel bad. Like, if it didn't have the inputs issue, it'd be a perfectly fine D-pad. It feels clicky. It doesn't feel stiff. It's just the fact that it has those input issues. It's yeah, like it, it just registers feels... up and down from left and right. Yeah, um, but... That's not good. So, I don't have the new Xbox controller, but I do have some friends that do, and uh, one of them is a big fan of the Vita D-pad, and they've said that it's just around the same ballpark as the Vita D-pad, which is singing really high praise as far as I'm concerned. So I'm I'm not sure when I'll pick one up, but eventually when I pick one up, I'm interested to see how I feel about it. Yeah, I like I'm, I'm... Go for it, James. Or George, sorry. I'm kind of like... With the... See, your guys' interesting boy. <laughs> <laughs> in general, it's like... I think the biggest issue there is the if you get an xbox then you don't really have that like show piece you don't have that thing that you can go like yeah like here's the xbox and here's the awesome haptic feedback and adaptive triggers or here's the awesome pack in title like xbox has amazing backwards compatibility yeah oh and yeah it's really powerful and fast but like I, I couldn't i couldn't personally see myself going oh yeah look, look how fast i can load this old game like I, I just i don't really see that as a it is a draw it's a it's a big draw sooner like eventually down the line when you're comparing the two but as a launch thing I, I don't get excited about that seems and like it's a little bit more uh it's a it seems like it's a little bit more straightforward in terms of its cross-gen capabilities like s- some people say like smart delivery is oversold but there have also been stories and i don't know if either of you guys can speak to this good. 
the, what, what I'm preambling into is the um, this issue, maybe that's overstating it, where people are accidentally playing PS4 with upgraded versions, rather like the Call of Duty thing, where some people are unknowingly playing the PS4 version instead of the PS5 version because it's just not yeah, as clear so, as like it could the, be. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you nailed it. Like the Sony's like organization of like say you, when you bought like Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, George. Like you saw that list, you had to go think about like okay, which version am I downloading? Because I have to look out for the PS4 like label on it to make sure I'm not downloading that. Like, yeah, and it shouldn't even like, be like a freaking issue, but it's one. It's one of those. It's like you just see this like gigantic list, and it's like there's two versions of this game, and I have to look out for making sure that I don't download the the wrong one, and that shouldn't really be a thing. Like uh, you, you you joke about like how Microsoft labeled smart delivery, but I'd rather have that solution where I just download it. I I hope that like it's just it should just be it should know enough that like I ha- it's being downloaded for a PS5 console, so I download the PS5 version of that game. Like yeah, it, I agree. It, you should shouldn't like that thought of like that brain power shouldn't be at the consumer. That should just be automatic, and that's like one of the things that like Microsoft nailed from the get go. It's like moving your saves forward, moving like smart delivery for, forward of like okay, now you're on our, our new console. We'll give you this. You won't have, like you won't make space redundant. Let's say of like double downloading this, and also. Yeah, like- and having and having a, a storage expansion solution at Logic, like, hey, there's like, it's like two hundred twenty dollars, but this is just a memory card that you just slot in and it's good to go. You know. But even even that card. though has like an exception because I know it's one thing that certain people like to highlight as a confusing issue for Xbox is apparently there are two versions again of Call of Duty. I feel like this is the most we've ever talked about Call of Duty on this podcast. Uh, there's one where it's the disc where it lists Xbox first and then Xbox One second, I believe. And then there's one where it lists Xbox One first and Xbox second. There's two very, it's a pretty common image that's been shared. But that's because like Activision hasn't like hooked into the smart delivery. They're they're like, they have some more like generic approach to fit both consoles, which yeah. makes it yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember like the particulars, but there's basically two very similar but different versions of cross compatibility, uh, Call of Duty Cold War, and people are using that as being like as a totem post to say that Xbox's system is just that's, as confusing. But, that's not. That's not, yeah. That's not on. That's not on Microsoft. That's on Activision. Well, it's, yeah. I guess. It, I guess it's on Microsoft as far as that a third party is able to do that. Like, it's there's some sort of opt-in there you'd have to assume that microsoft tried to like you know saying hey let's make this less confusing that for consumers like behind behind the scenes I, i'd hope that like they tried to like they, they can't force activision to be like you better use smart delivery or you can't release on our platform you know so it's a weird thing it should it should be it, it, every game on the xbox that like has that has that kind of like cross cross gen thing they should be able to here it is. I, I pulled something up. This is from uh, this is a Windows Central article. Title is "Don't Get Duped by Call of Duty Black Ops Cold Wars is Confusing Xbox Editions." One of the boxes it, underneath the Xbox. Okay, I have to visually describe this to you because we don't do this like on YouTube or something. Uh, one All of right. them has the top banner saying Xbox One, and then underneath that it says Xbox One dot Xbox Series X, and the other one on the top it says Xbox. And below it says Xbox Series X dot Xbox One. I have seen this. Yeah, I did see this a while ago. So publishers have been have taken various approaches to cross-gen video games. Uh, I'm trying to boil this down for you. Uh, let's see. 
the game ships with two distinctly different editions. Let's see. Mm -hmm. well, I'm, I'm trying to read really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all right. Man, uh, cross-gen shit is always messy. God damn it. <laughs> I've never seen it like this, though. Like, before, it was Here... always... Yeah, go for it. Sorry, I just... Aha moment. This issue stems from Activision sidestepping the free up the free upgrade program provided by most publishers, providing the graphical upgrades at a premium point. Microsoft equally hasn't made it clear with similar box designs and an online storefront that fails to differentiate between the two. Uh, that sounds awful. It's so. Long story short, cross. This sounds like this is like a this is like an obvious takeaway. But man, cross gen the cross gen period of any console is weird. It is especially weird when both consoles generally have pretty good backwards compatibility but slightly different implementations so because like in like a year and a half this won't really matter if cross once cross gen filters out yeah it's, it's just weird because the way that microsoft is heading and the whole thing with like getting rid of console gens means it's actually really easy for them to upgrade their older games to have like full support for like the series s and x feature set because you're seeing a couple of games now, like Rocket League and um, a few other games, I'm forgetting the names of, where they have 120 FPS modes on uh, Xbox, but they don't on PS5 yet, because that requires a native port to PlayStation 5 to get high refresh rate on PlayStation 5. But on Xbox, since it's technically had like 120 FPS output, like baked into the system software since the Xbox One, they don't need to do that. They can just have like uncap the frame rate on the X, like the original Xbox One version, and just go ham from there. It's just weird how like some of that those cross gen things, and obviously stuff like that. But like even like just with the naming schemes for the Xbox stuff, it's kind of well, actually it's really bad. Like. There's been several cases where I've seen people talking about the Xbox Series X, and throughout the video, they accidentally and keep calling it the Xbox One X. And that that like, happened to me just like I remember. It happened like, to me last, last week, I think. <laughs> and like I knew what I was talking about in my head, but then my voice just blurted out One X just because I've been used to saying that. I think, yeah, like I think uh, I think the best case scenario is that going forward from this point, it'll be Series, and then some sort of lettering scheme or numbering scheme like this is the series r or whatever but we have to start that new scheming so that's why but they but they went with x again it's on us every every single night we need to have like a an exercise of like so before we go to sleep say xbox series xbox series xbox series for like 50 times before we go to sleep and so eventually we, we need like flashcards with like pictures mm -hmm. of the console and the controller yes. and so we have to say one x or series x we yeah. train our braids. anyways it's like it's really cool what microsoft is doing with like backwards compatibility stuff and like like upgrades even to like xbox one games and stuff like that but um i think personally the only thing that i'd really be interested in getting a new xbox for since i already have like a one x which means well hey i have backwards compatibility for 360 original games and it's like well every xbox game going forward is going to be on pc so i don't really need an xbox more than this uh the main thing though that kind of has me interested is um and this, this is something that people don't really talk about a lot but it's a major reason why the xbox one never got hacked 
is that if you have a Windows developer account, which they've given away like lifetime like developer accounts like on multiple occasions, and if not, you can get one for like thirty bucks to get a lifetime license. You can activate any Xbox One and now Xbox Series console as a dev kit and run UWP apps natively. So there's like RetroArch ported to UWP and like some other like emulators and other apps that are ported. I might get a Series S down the line just to have a good emulation box for my living room because honestly, for 300 bucks, that's like a pretty good spec system for emulation, especially if something say like. Man, wouldn't it be hilarious if like RPCS3 gets ported to UWP? Because then you'd have an Xbox running PS3 games when the PlayStation 5 doesn't support them. I hear if you say Xbox Series in a mirror three times, Phil Spencer is going to show up. <laughs> That's what I think. So I guess to wrap up our one hour long talk about next gen, George. Do you have any closing remarks about your first couple days with PlayStation 5 and the DualSense, Miles Morales and Demon Souls and Astrobot? I'm just so excited for what's next. Uh, this this is a, probably the strongest launch of a console I've seen in terms of games, in terms of software. It's so exciting. I'm, I'm so grateful to have actually like gotten my hands on one. And I just think the possibilities for this next generation are so strong. I just hope we don't have like a... I, I hope it doesn't let us down. I think it's really going to be cool the next year. Well, it's not that long a wait until Ratchet and Clank, right? I know that's that's the one. And then not, not, I mean, that's not that's not in our site's purview, but I know that's some game that you're going to be eager to talk about, like the moment it's. <laughs> oh yeah. Play. yeah, as soon as I'll be talking about it, don't you? I yeah, I I really wonder what kind of like announcements we should be looking forward to next year for these next gen devices. There's still like it feels. Both of them, uh, like, have you get such a strong impression of them? Oh, you know, it's like it feels like we finally caught up to like you know where where PCs were like maybe like a year ago now (laughs) with them. Yeah, Yeah. so yeah, as someone who primarily plays on PC, I'll be honest and say the argument of like buying a PC to obliterate the consoles or whatever is less and less valid, substantiable. Is that a word? Buy a GPU as powerful as the next-gen consoles for less than the price of the cost consoles as a whole, which is yeah, a big so deal. I still think, obviously, and I'm biased. I'm very biased. That PC has like certain genres of games, certain like degree of backwards compatibility, you tweaking, and things like that that are uh, you know, that those those are the arguments for the platform. But this idea of like I can play in 60 FPS, it's like well. That's that doesn't fly quite as far now, but you also have to see like once we get once we get out of the cross gen period, are we going to see as performance modes as prevalent? I think we will, but I, I don't so. know. Like I, I I don't know how confident in that I am. Well, more but at least more people are seeing the light now. Of like it's 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 easy. It's right there. It's just a setting you can see, compare and contrast easily. It's like this is what thirty fps looks like. This is what sixty fps looks like. You're like yeah. ah. PC is also nice because I can like have all my podcast stuff like ready to go, and then as soon as we're done, I just press a button and I'm playing Yakuza. <laughs> that's my Speaking that's the reason I'm here. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this my segue? So I've been playing Yakuza because I yes, I do not have a PS5, and Yakuza is not on PS5. How about that for a segue? How about that? <laughs> okay. No, I mean it can be, just not natively. Yeah, just yeah, just not PS5 with upgrade. 
Uh, so I talked a little bit about uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon last week, and then obviously Josh and George have both also talked about it. So I don't want to like. Rehash. How far are you? I'm. I, I, so I'm at the. I'm at chapter five where like everything opens up. Okay. So I've been there for like hours. Like I've done the baseball. I've done the golf. I've done the uh, part-time hero. I've I've done like all the mini games. <laughs> I, I think I've captured because of part-time hero, all of the like. Uh, crane game toys which adam can vouch for me <laughs> there were certain ones that took forever that damn like red plush cat for some reason yeah the red cat game. nice the red cat was your uh, was gonna be a thing of nightmares hi adam it's uh good to hear from you <laughs> hello good uh, podcast guys <laughs> no, i i really enjoyed the talk and uh speaking about like exciting things about this year so i am enjoying yakuza 7 more than i think i thought i would so yeah i like i mentioned this actually kind of works because of the way the discussion has been headed so i'm primarily a pc player and over the last like two years yakuza has been filtering its way over to pc with zero kiwami and then kiwami 2 and then obviously there's a gap for three four five and six um so that gap is i have i'm playing yakuza 7 without having played those so i'm i'm going in knowing that I am missing context that certain people that I trust, such as Josh and another site contributor, Kazuma, have said that I will, you know, should have, but I just don't. I so, but when I played through Zero Kwami and Kwami Two, and I don't know if this is how common this is, but I kind of find myself burning out of the brawler gameplay style when I mm -hmm. play those games back to back to back. I don't know if that's something that Josh experience when he played all seven games back to back to back and well, it's one of those it's like i let's see if i remember correctly i did zero one two i i yeah i did zero one two three four then took like a month or so break because i had other assignments to get to then i then i did five and six so i, I definitely did like the first five games like back to back to back to back the, and what like, i'm getting to is the, the finish line that i am avoiding yeah. is that Man, what a breath of fresh air to have both the turn-based and the party. I know those are kind of like intrinsically, intrinsically linked. It's just, I lo I'm loving reading the party chat. I'm loving the the banter during battle. Uh, the Some people think of turn-based and think, oh, it's going to be slow. It's going to be, you know boring but it's not that slow it, i don't it doesn't like running into battles on the streets doesn't feel significantly different mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm just enjoying it's a uh, this is such a this is, this is such a trite idiom but what a breath of fresh air like i'm yeah, just it, it feels it also yeah. feels good because like it's it's not like other grpgs like the average age of the group is like 40 plus like you have grown-ass adults like contextualized in a jrpg setting and there's like an adult storyline behind it, so like it it feels like you're not going to like some childish like adventure to save the world. Like you know, you're used to that. We we like it for sure, but there's like a definitely definitely like a different flavor of it because you just your party members are like everyone's an adult. Yeah, I I love it. Like it, I've said it before, but it is easily not only one of my favorite games this year, which I know I say a lot, but I do mean it. Um, but it's easily the biggest surprise of the year for me. The thing that just came out of nowhere, and I'm like, wow, like I really, really like this. And I'm I'm so glad you're enjoying it too, Brian. Like that, I was so excited to hear what you said about it. So I'm only in chapter five, so I've only got the first four party members, uh, Ichiban, Adachi, Namba, and Seiko. Um 
I love all of them so far. I think Seiko, I think, is the weakest. Uh, I don't like how they introduced her as, like, this cold, aloof character. And then, like, within a couple scenes, she's crying. Like, I don't, I don't, I think the whole archetype of a cold exterior, but not quite as much on the inside is overdone a little bit. Maybe, I mean, there's still, it's still early. There's still plenty of time that she could turn, that I could turn around. My favorite character, uh, trying, is, uh, man, it feels wrong to pick anyone other than Ichiban. Like, <laughs> and I wasn't expecting to, like, latch onto him so strongly, but... Uh, maybe I just see a little bit of myself in him as, as lame as that sounds, but someone who's like confident in some ways, but uh, thin skinned in others, uh, the world doesn't sometimes like Kiryu is larger than life and everyone's well, not, maybe not everyone, but so many see him, people see him as like this, this super, you know, endearing, strong willed pinnacle of, you know, He's he's almost like the opposite of toxic max masculinity. He's like, I don't know. Sometimes he's too. I don't. It's hard to find tons of faults in him. Where each of on you can kind of see where he makes mistakes. He's you know where he's um, he he makes a decision based on his emotions rather rather than reason. Uh, he's you know he says things off the cuff that maybe he shouldn't say. He's a little bit more of a flawed character. So I think there's there's a lot of stuff you can do with that. Where where Kiryu is a little bit more like idealized that that's a good word for it so mm -hmm. I, I i think that is something that i've really latched on to but even like namba and adachi who are both kind of like pretty basic they don't have a lot of nuance to them I, i've really enjoyed their contributions to the party chats it's man like i i'm, I'm enjoying this game more than i than i thought i would for reasons cool. that i didn't think i would mm -hmm. so so far the story is maybe a little slow again i'm early um I don't know how I feel about the whole the whole little sub story with the um, the Yakuza led retirement home. I'll keep it at that to avoid any more detailed spoilers. Uh, I don't know if I the the story that introduces Seiko and her sister, like the story itself, like the, like the actual plot written down. I don't know if it's great, but I'm loving the character interactions. I'm loving the bonding events. Uh, it's just it's good. I wish I hope I hope I've made my case, but uh, and I've been enjoying seeing everyone like uh, really warm up to it. Like as more people give it a shot, it's like wow, this is really came out of nowhere for me, and I'm really enjoying it. I that 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 warms my heart, you know, seeing people enjoy it. And Yakuza is one of the few games. Normally, when a game introduces like a mini game, like Kingdom Hearts, or introduces sledding or or whatever, very very rarely do I give it much attention at all like i'm like is there anything in it for me like what what do i get out of it do i get money do i get items do i get weapons whatever for yakuza i'm like golf i'm gonna play golf like i don't know what i get out of it is it good i don't care i, I want to try this or or uh stupid uh, i say stupid but i say it endearing like stupid mini game where you're in the theater and you have to keep Ichiban awake <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and i'm like you know, you know what I'll, I'll try it like that there's something about the the way that yakuza presents itself where as soon as you unlock a mini game, uh, I'm eager to like spend 40 minutes just doing it. Like Adam was watching me play. I was streaming in discord earlier and I unlocked a uh, dragon cart and I immediately just raced as much as I could until I couldn't, couldn't race anymore. Like it puts me in that mindset so easily with the exception of stuff like Shoji, <laughs> just because I'm like too dumb oh, yeah, to, to learn it. Yeah, I, I've never even tried. 
like I'm missing the items from Yakuza. I remember Yakuza Kiwami 2, the few sub stories that required you to actually get good at like Shoji or the card <laughs> games like Koi Koi, uh, which my only exposure to that I think is like the Digimon movie introduces some of the themes of nice. <laughs> uh, and like it gives you i think the game of the designers realize that some people like me aren't going to have the brain power to <laughs> understand it so they give you like these like cheat items they like immediately give you like a full mahjong score i don't even remember what it's called yeah you don't so get what, like cheat like richie not not uh, richie richie <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm eager to like get some of those items <laughs> Maybe, as far as i remember you don't have to do anything like that for the sub stories like that jumps to my mind immediately you don't really have to do like you don't even really have to do many of the mini games for the sub stories to be honest like i missed a bunch of them just because they weren't like super needed i, I want to go back and do some of them like finish off dragon cart but like it's not super necessary at least but as soon as i unlocked the part-time hero stuff i was looking through that list and like oh take pictures of kappa statues or oh uh <laughs> you know get these find these characters with like these hints across the city and like i i've only been in yokohama so far uh but it's it's gotten to the point where like i I recognize intersections and things like that where i don't know if it's the best rendition of an open world and even calling an open world seems a little bit disingenuous because it's just it's just kind of like a hub it's not it's not very big it's it's not like amazingly detailed but I, i still think it's preferable to like we've got x thousand square kilometers like i don't care yeah. how big yeah. it is the fact that i can go into like the second stories of buildings and go into like their restrooms or maybe not go into it, but like there's enough detail there where it wouldn't be off the table uh, i i love that level of detail it's i i wouldn't want it to be significantly bigger just for a marketing brand point or something like that it's it, i think it's perfectly suitable to the story to the side to the sub stories to the mini games it's I know it's good. I, I, I like it a lot. I, I definitely like you bring up a good point. Uh, I really like uh, the, calling this an open world game. Isn't really like it's not really an open world game, but I like those types of games that have memorable maps that like you can go there. It's like oh, I know this part of act. Don't go to don't go to Chinatown. Shit will fuck you up early on. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it's just calling out those landmarks of like. It's like even going to back to Dragon's Dogma and remembering that like slope of like uh, rolling boulders. It's like, don't fucking go there early on. You're gonna get fucked up by the thieves, <laughs> you know, up there and whatnot. And going to the forest and getting lost in it. It's I really I I I identify and cling to games that have like memorable map design like that. Or uh, I can remember, like if I have if like if I if I get one of Ichiban's personality traits high enough like style of four I could re- actually remember on the map where I met a character who I couldn't speak to yet because that was and I I didn't need an icon to point the way like I just had enough it, the map was implemented and integrated enough with the experience of the game itself that I didn't need the UI to tell me where to go once I met a certain arbitrarish threshold mm. which I think is just you know, a credit to the game's design that they that they realize they scoped it properly. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and and uh, I guess it, it kind of I'm not to go back full into it, but it, uh, this discussion reminds me of like Demon Souls and like how I went to the first time through the Demon Souls remake and like spinning those gears in my head of like, oh right, I remember this spot. I remember like this enemy's going to show up here. Like that, like that was so memorable to me, even though it looks like completely like brand new, like awesome. I still remember the enemy placement here that this is this where it's gonna fuck me up. It's been like over a decade since I even like touched that game. 
but it's like uh, those are like memorable like marks in my head of like oh yeah this is this is definitely where that thing was and just having that like fractured mode in the game flip the world horizontally mirrored or it's like oh everything i know is like out the window even though it's like on, a, on paper such a small change everything i know is out the window because th- these things are not different or are, are not the same now even it's just the complete opposite and I do agree with your, one of your criticisms about how sometimes the systems break down a little bit in terms of uh, the dynamicism, is that the word, of the battles where, mm-hmm. where they can occur at any place and the characters constantly like move and shuffle. There was one time where I ran to an enemy on a street, you know, not, not an exciting, you know, you know, experience on its own, but like I would want to like target have each one target an enemy but there was like a guardrail because it's like on the side of the street and like three times in one movement he would step over it like step over it then he would shuffle back to the right step back over it the other direction and then he would shuffle back over to the left and step back over it so there's a few systems like that where like nah, it doesn't like it doesn't like bother me i find it more um amusing than anything but it's like all right this could be uh this could be buffed out this could be this could be yeah. polished up uh so it's, it's not like you would really hold that's not like a bad example of it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just have, maybe I just it doesn't it doesn't bother me. But it's but it's but, then, but then there are quirks about it. That's like like you know obviously like when I'm reviewing, I have to like judge it by like you know you have to, yeah, like, you have to be a little more critical about but, it. But, but like in those days, it's like it's it's part of what makes the game charming to like some people. Like oh like it, it there are some stupid things about this game that like. Even though it's kind of like obviously kind of bad, it's like it, it sticks out. It's memorable to me, and like I got to chuckle out of that. I will say, as someone that's only played Yakuza Zero, and I've been seeing so many people tweet about Seven and seeing like stuff like the different like special attack animations, and like watching uh, another friend of mine like kind of stream his experiences playing through Seven. I really, really want to get to playing it, but I want to play the rest first so it's probably going to be a while but it, it i'm very excited to finally get to it in like two three years or whatever. i'm, I'm <laughs> looking i'm looking forward to james's uh marathon adventures in 2022 or whatever well, lucky for you the yakuza developers uh look at my uh, example this uh, earlier this year of going through the entire series well for me replays but like their their 50th anniversary live stream like in early december it's like they're gonna go through the entire se- series like like let's plays of it so they're having like a 151 and a half hour live stream because part of that is replaying through the whole fucking series <laughs> so it's like okay sure so I, 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 i'm glad they know they saw me like oh that guy got it done 120 hours so let's just kind of time it around here so there you go <laughs> it, it so obviously as a website we are looking forward to at some point in December, doing our end of year deliberations, we're going to try to keep them at, keep the sense of normalcy as high as possible in a weird, weird year. And mm-hmm. unless something really goes off the deep end in the back parts of this game, I say back half as if as if I'm not just still super early on. I probably put like 20 hours into it, maybe more like 15. But I've just I've just been spending so much time kart racing and in the, base, <laughs> in the batting cage. Uh, I could probably easily see this. I'm arguing for it as a top position this year. Yep, so am I. Uh, random uh, breaking news, but Wario 64 finally got verified on Twitter. Oh man, very very cool. Long at long last. When's RPG site getting verified? 
Don't ask about that. So, uh, that's all I've been playing this week and probably going to continue on forward. Well, I guess I've also been playing a little bit of Fantasy Star Online too. They just recently announced some of their Road to Episode 6 stuff, which is slated for December. Um, they're giving away a lot of freebies. Like, since like seems like all the episodes are coming out this year. Do you feel like overwhelmed that like the amount of content PS PSO two has gotten since it's like English official English launch like earlier this year? Honestly, yes. The pace is almost like here. Here's a little anecdote. Um, mm-hmm. So with one of the later updates in episode five, they introduced fifteen star weapons, which to speak very generally is basically the top tier weapon that you kind of want to make sure you have so that you're not behind going forward. And then on this campaign for like the road to episode six, if you do certain low level tasks, like log in in a certain time or whatever, and maybe do a certain type of quest, they'll give you a free one. Like they're kind of like moving you so fast, but imagine, imagine being on a, on a conveyor belt or a treadmill, it's moving pretty fast and you have to run to keep up, but they're dumping like they want, they want to keep you happy. So they're dumping like, I don't know, French fries on on the belt for you to pick up. (laughs) It's, uh, they know. Will I think I they realize that. that I, I, if I had logged in as a new player, will I be ready for episode six? Um, you could probably find a specific way to very, very, very quickly catch up. Where <laughs> if you log in and do a certain quest, a first of all, they have kind of this campaign where it's like, if you, it's actually worded like, if you haven't logged in since October twenty second, but you'd log in starting in December, you get all these free items. Like you deliberately get more if you've been absent. <laughs> and then um, what I'm getting to is that they're, they're giving like stuff that I've been kind of working towards and putting together like, gear and abilities over the last couple of months. They're giving away some for free. And I'm not the sort of person to be like, oh, I'm, how dare they? Like, what do I get? It's just that you can kind of tell that this is a compromise that they're making, that they know they're moving so fast. That if you that if you stepped away, even if you're not personally like miffed by it, but the, how about like the overall PSO two English committee? Are they like kind of bothered by that they've taken this approach, uh, or if you if you know, I don't think so because I think well maybe I'm certain there are some people because there are certain people that get upset at everything just to state it plainly. But it's the sort of thing where if I spent a lot of my in-game money and resources to build up a specific weapon, let's say I, let's say I have a uh, a talus, which is a type of weapon that I've built up and I've made, and I've got some really good stats on it. And it took a lot of time and effort. And then the game it says we're going to give you a free one. Well, I could just obviously make that a rod or a gunblade or like there's stuff that I could still do with the freebie. It's not like I, I'm being you know how uh, I can't believe I spent all my time doing this. Long story short, they introduced a lot of their episode sticks like incentives and campaigns, and it's kind of interesting because obviously this is like the last major stopping point for. New Genesis, which will it'll be weird being an NA global player that has dealt with this exorbitantly increased accelerated pace going back to like normalcy, like assuming that New Genesis is like a worldwide lockstep progression in terms of rollouting of content. Is it going to feel like super slow now? Which I'm actually like not looking like. I'm okay with that because Fantasy Star Online 2 is has been kind of really tough to keep up with. So I, I, I put a little bit of time into that, and I guess Episode 6 is coming in December. So 
Uh, maybe that, that'll probably continue. Other than that, that's that's been my week. Adam, I want to hear from you. What do you want me to say? <laughs> uh, what do you think I'm... about? I don't know the dual. Bugs okay, I have okay. Bugs <laughs> okay, I have a few comments. I have, I have a few comments uh, that kind of reach back what you're talking about maybe an hour ago. Um, so I've been I'm still playing just Neo, the first one. I've been playing it for a few weeks. Um, so I beat the main game. And, you know, I, I, I struggled with the game a little bit at first, but I sort of got used to it. But then going into the DLC, I kind of felt like, like, man, I suck. Um, but I guess, I guess just looking online, it seems like the DLC does have a bit of a, a jump in difficulty. Um, like, that just seems to be a general experience that people have. And maybe it's just because, like, I'm playing a complete edition and I went straight from the main game to the DLC and I didn't do, like, you know, I didn't do any new game plus or just training or grinding or just, you know, replaying levels or whatnot. So maybe I just not, you know, didn't have the Ready stats or whatever. Yeah. So I've been just sort of like going through new game plus to get, you know, better equipment, better levels or more levels and things like that. Um, I am playing this game. You mentioned earlier, I am playing this game on an Xbox 360 controller. I've been using it for PC games for like as long as the Xbox 360 has been out or whatever. Um, so a long time. And I just never bothered to upgrade because it's I'm usually fine with it. But man, is that D-pad garbage. Um, <laughs> on Neo, in Neo, for those who aren't aware, you're, you have like item slots that are quick slotted to your D-pad. And there have been a few times um, where like I have to press up to use an elixir and I press up and, I, and instead I, it like d- detects that I press right, which is like, I don't know, like a bomb or something. Like, no, why'd you do that? You just... <laughs> You you needed to heal in that split second of time there, and you just threw a bomb instead. You, you idiot! You no, absolute has that, moron. Ha, ha, anyway. Has that ever has that ever saved you? Um, I don't know. It just reminds me of like the wizardry that uh, my, my uh, old friends had, where they played Street Fighter Four on the Xbox Three Three Sixty D Pad, and they were able to pull out specials just fine. It's like, yeah, dude, it's no problem. Like, no, this is like you can't. No, there's no way you say this is fine to that 360 controller for a fighting game. Yeah, the 360 controller, I think, like almost all of it, I'm like really good with, except the D pad. The D pad is like almost inexcusable. Like, this is spongy shit. Anyway, <laughs> um, also, yeah, I mean, you don't hear it's no, talking about I... next gen. Um, so, Neo and Neo 2 are coming to PS5, and they actually showed a couple of tweets. Um, Team Ninja did about the load times and they are like super fast in terms of loading into a new level and much faster than not much faster but like considerably faster than what I can get on on a PC running off of a solid state drive and that's just you were talking earlier about like these new consoles feeling like like this is next gen like these are top of the line solid state drives and technology that they're using that consumer level PCs can't use yet you know they don't it's not whatever that well, well, they can, but only under very specific considerations with a very small slice of. Product. Yeah, um, like you have to have the proper, you have to have the proper SSD with the proper yeah, you, motherboard, you, and you have to have CPU. You have to have an AMD CPU. You have to have a very recent AMD CPU. You have to have a PCIe four SSD at yeah. a certain rating. <laughs> from a certain yeah, they were, they, they just tweeted a, they just tweeted a few just like showcase like here's how fast it loads and it's like like two or three seconds it's really fast 
Um, so like if you kept dying over and over, you don't have to wait a long time to <laughs> to retry, which is always nice in a game like this. I don't know whether no. to get PS2 or PS5 or PC because a lot of my friends are going to get the PC version, but I'm like, man, that PS5 version looks pretty all right. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. To go back and get the Platinum Trophy for Neo 2 on PS4, but at this point, it's like, well... Might wait I... for the upgrade, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, actually. So, a fun fact. As of right now, there are no... Um, shared trophy list between PS4 and PS5. So it might actually be a good idea for me to get the Platinum Trophy on PS4 and then when I load up on PS5 I'll just have it pop immediately. If there is, is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> I think I did that. that. I think I did I think I did that for uh, Final Fantasy X. It came, on, it came out on PS3, the remaster and like got all the the platinum trophy on it and then like it comes out on PS4 and you can literally transfer your save and it just pops it back like ah I got another platinum trophy for free. I do wonder I, if we're... I all the podcasts are full of filthy cheaters. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I remember th- I I was going to bring this up earlier but then the conversation moved past it. I do wonder how long until we start seeing like those second iteration remasters, those things that were packaged together and remastered for PS4 or that gen. When when do we see the Uncharted trilogy on PS5 or Final Fantasy X remaster on PS5? Like re remaster. Yeah. <laughs> like when do we start seeing that stuff? There's there's gonna be another Kingdom Hearts collection, like Kingdom Hearts, the PS5 collection, which is the PS4 collection with everything else. Oh, I hate that. You got a package. Uh, what 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 do they call the current one? All in one. Uh, 1.5, 2.5, and then no, there's, there's, there's there's a digital bundle that comes. Yeah, we got to combine the story so far, add in Melody of Memory, and just like package it again, call it something else, and make it a PS5. The real one. story so far, for <laughs> real this time. <laughs> yeah, what happens, to all these, like, what happens to all these, like, like you mentioned, all these uh, things that has like, oh, this is the blah, 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 definitive edition. What happens for like their next gen? Like, everybody's like, even more definitive. We swear well, this is super isn't, isn't the Mass Effect Legendary Edition not slated for next gen yet? Not yet. They, they just say, let, me, let me look up the press release just a sec here. Because so, like, they're going to, like, release in... It mentioned, like, upgrades. Like, uh, they, they, they gave a nod to, like, the next gen devices, I think. But they, they, they not, it's not slated officially for them. They'll maybe, uh, like... Support upgrades. It'll, yeah, it'll it'll play through cross gen with bonus whatever. Yeah. Well. Final Fantasy twelve, the Zodiac Age definitive edition. Definitive PS5. Zodiac, we swear edition. <laughs> Until PS six. <laughs> so that, for that's a, go ahead. Uh, it will be available in spring 2021 for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC with forward compatibility and targeted enhancements on Series X and PlayStation 5. I'll just put it this not way. It. I do I do not envy the job that people like Digital Foundry have to do. Where they're like, here's it playing on an Xbox One. Here's it playing on a PS5. And then everything <laughs> in between. Or like PS4 with PS5, PS4 versus PS4 Pro versus One X or Series Man, cross gen. Well, there's like for like a Cyberpunk 2077. They recently did a video of the Xbox performance, like Xbox Capture, 
And they're, they were pretty specified in saying, like, this is how it plays on an Xbox One X. Not an Xbox One, even though it'll play on an Xbox One, but, you know, not the Xbox um, One X. That's even and more confusing. Also, I think you're getting also, Go ahead. Like, now here's the game, the Xbox One version playing on an Xbox Series X. It's better because, you know, better computing powers and whatnot, but it's not like a native Xbox Series X version. It's just basically backwards compatible with the na- the natural upgrade that you would get from that. Um, let's spoil, let's just spoil that down. That's insane. Because, well, it's not insane, even while we're being dramatic, but they showed two different versions of the game, the Xbox One X version and then the Xbox One playing on a Series X version. So there is a lower quality version that they did not display, the base game Xbox One version. And then obviously at some point next year, there will be a native Xbox Series X version. It's just, man, and that's and only that one family of consoles. Yeah, that will be too, because yeah. I'm gonna charge for it again, like uh, to, to play the native version or what? Because you're gonna do a free upgrade if you own it. The craziest thing about this is that technically the Xbox One S also has some performance enhancements that are super like minuscule, but they're there. You mean Xbox Series S? No, the Xbox One S because it because, um, supported HDR. They actually um, increased the frequency for both the GPU, well, yeah, the GPU just by a little bit, so it would support it. And it's like, I remember at launch that um, um, Digital Foundry actually did a video showcasing in some games, there's like a two to three FPS difference on the Xbox One S versus the Xbox One original. So really weird stuff. Just because I'm a masochist. So if we wanted to be fully comprehensive because we had nothing better to do with our lives, we would have to do Xbox One, Xbox One S, Xbox One X, Xbox One version on Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, and Xbox Series X native. You'd have to have six different versions just to cover Xbox. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you're basically starting to bleed into like PC territory there, like all the different. Yeah, that's, that's true. Like, what's the difference between a 270, a 280, a 280 Super, the AMD equivalent, yeah. the next AMD equivalent, the Intel equivalent at some point, if there's yeah. GPUs that end up <laughs> materializing. What's the what's the performance on Windows ninety five? <laughs> I want to see this run on Windows three point one. There's always with the with any PC release, it's always fun to see people like do like the minimum graphic settings and yeah. see what that looks like. <laughs> oh, it's even better when you they like this? hack the game to like deliberately run it lower than it was originally oh, stuck out. I'm gonna run this, this at three sixty p. This is this this is running it with uh, Xbox. Or sorry, Xbox Windows XP compatibility mode. <laughs> it just reminds me of like how they run like optimal settings for like Counter Strike tournaments, where it's like eight hundred by six hundred to get the most frames out. Oh of yeah, it. so they can get like three hundred and sixty <laughs> frames per second. <laughs> Nowadays, they can probably go ten times that. To be honest, they could probably like. Oh, you're losing frames if you do that. So no, hell no. So I, I think the only person that really hasn't spoken yet, well, me. Well, no, you talked about Neo. Neo. Josh, uh, you, good. You, talked, you talked about your time with Miles Morales last week, and I guess you talked about Demon Souls already earlier. Uh, yeah. Was there anything else that you had touched on this week? Um, no, I mean, I've I've seen everything that that, that game offers, new and old. Uh, I really, really like it a lot. Uh, I'll probably write up some thoughts for it on the site uh, in the coming days, but it's it's really awesome to see that they they pulled it off quite well. I, I'm really, really surprised by it. And then uh, James, 
I piggyback on Souls discussion, but I, never, I didn't really talk about what besides Demon Souls why I played this week. Uh, it's already been God. It's almost two hours into the podcast. I'll try to keep it short. I I will. Well, to be but, honest, we don't have we don't have a lot of topical stuff to go into after this. So this has been a really great discussion. It's okay. Don't, uh, don't abbreviate what you're about to say. Whatever it is. Uh, what should I start with? What should I start with? I'm talking about bug snacks because I wanna I wanna hear uh, about bug snacks. I have it downloaded, but I have, I've got the right there. Um, and ironically, it's a great game. Like I um kind of downloaded it just because of the memes and I started playing it just because of the memes but then um I like somewhere in the middle of it I was like man this is actually a really fun game this is actually a really neat little like uh I saw you I saw you uh streaming it the other day and it kind of reminded me of Pokemon Snap of all things yeah I got to capture and you got to capture a creature and like each creature is like its own little puzzle in a way, it's a little bit different because Pokemon Snap is like an on rails uh, experience, obviously. But there's like different criteria to already like capture them or take pictures I, I of them. Say that the experience is kind of different, in well, kind of similar in the sense that um, so you have the basic uh, versions of these bug snacks, which if there's a flying one, you might have to load like the um, your um, capture tool onto like a jump pad to shoot it at them and grab it in midair and then go like retrieve it. Um, but then there's like maybe a version of it that's on fire. And so you need to make it so that you, it um, drops into water after, um, after it's in the um, trap. So the trap itself doesn't burn away. So you can actually grab it good. And there's some like bug snacks that um, are either like on fire or are, like frozen that you have to do you have to either douse or um like cold or um, warm them up before you can even capture them because if you try and capture them when they're frozen you'll just freeze or if you try and capture them when they're they're on fire you'll just like burst into flames yourself and then there's all sorts of things like there's some that burrow underground so you need to find a way to lure them to an area that's like solid ground so that they're forced to pop out yeah yeah and there's lots of really neat things like that. The characters are actually kind of cute in the sense that there's actual characters in this game, which is kind of ridiculous. Like all of the little grumpuses have like their own like reasons for coming to the island, and there's like legitimate reasons. And some of it is at, like some of their relationships with the others are surprisingly like actually like legit relationships and. It, it, it's just weird. I didn't expect it to be this type of game, but then I actually started playing it. It's like, huh, this is a lot of fun. And I ended up just like playing through it, got the platinum trophy. It's like for a PlayStation Plus title. The platinum trophy, jeez. Well, it's not so, that. It's one of those games where it doesn't feel like a chore to do 100%. It feels like it's one of those games where you feel incentivized to do 100% just because. Right. If you're playing the game naturally, you'll get there. So, so I heard the ending is kind of weird. Don't like spoil it, but like broadly speaking, is the ending kind of weird? Uh, yeah. Um, okay, maybe just keep it at that. But I, I just sort of heard that the ending is like not in a bad something. way. Yeah, it's not in a bad way. It's just uh, much, much like the uh, rest of the game. 
don't have much expectations coming in because it'll definitely blow. It'll not blow them away. It'll definitely uh, subvert your expectations. It'll change your life forever. Don't have big expectations. <laughs> but yeah, good game. Um, had a lot of fun. Definitely would recommend if you have a PlayStation Five. If you're lucky enough to get a PlayStation Five, uh, download it. Have some fun. It's also um, on Epic Game Store, but you have to pay for it there. Yeah. John, uh, what, what was your character's name in Demon Souls? I want to hear this. Oh, yeah. So my first character, uh, several friends of mine were um, kind of working with me through the character creator. It's like a lot more fully featured. And like, we should, what should we have for the name? And then my friend who was playing Bug Snacks, like, it was really into Bug Snacks. He's like, like, should we name it Bug Snacks? He's like, no, name it Bug Snacks Official. So when you go online with that character, people will think that's like the official, like, <laughs> the, the bug, bug, bug Snacks dev team. Like, okay. So I just have a character on, on one of my one of my Demon Souls characters is named Bug Snacks Official. I love it. It was fun to watch. I don't, I, I will never play this game. I'm not even going to like leave a crack. But it was, it was fun to watch James play it. What a, what a kooky. Uh, I wish more developers. It's from the, it's from the Octodad people, right? Yeah. <laughs> Same. Definitely feels like it. Yep. Um, so, already talked about Demon Souls. I'll leave uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris 2 for like the article shout out I'll talk about there. But um, I did my East 9 replay. Finally got the Platinum Trophy for that. Uh, so, I get a PlayStation 5, and what's the first game I play on it? East 9. Yeah, I think you mentioned Actually, that last week. Yeah, because the game just did not run well on PlayStation 4, especially PS4 Pro. And there was a patch after I finished my review that make, made the frame rate a little bit better on PS4, but it still wasn't great, and the frame pacing was still atrocious, like atrocious, just really, really bad. Um, so I... Always wanted to go back and like get the platinum trophy because I have the East 8 platinum. And since the game actually runs well on PS5, I decided that this was a good um, time as, en- as good a time as any. Even though I totally could have just waited for the game to come out in English, I was like, nah, I'll just replay it now. Um, I feel like a lot of my thoughts from the original review have kind of solidified during this replay, and especially like seeing it like in a much smoother frame rate, much better performance, and also some like not major but slight slight changes over time of patches. Like I didn't even touch the two new difficulties they added because not only is there Inferno, but now there's like a lunatic mode, which I don't even know. Like I didn't huh. I didn't even really like pay attention to it, but knowing how like crazy Inferno is in E say PS4, I'm like eh. maybe someday, but it's like uh that sounds like it might be too much even for me, especially if you don't have any trophies attached to it, because I'm a sucker for those. But yeah. uh, you need that uh, extra carrot. Yep. Just need. I need that carrot, man. Yeah, I I did, I did play East Eight on Nightmare, not Inferno, um, and it was really really fun. Uh, like I didn't even it wasn't even New Game Plus. Like I just did my first playthrough on Nightmare, and you know even like. Some of the, like bosses that might be more mundane on a normal difficulty, or like I remember, like the boss that early on is just like three worms that like burrow in and out of the ground. It was like really, really exciting. I, I really, I'm really looking forward to East Nine. Um, yeah. Even if even if the story stuff, which I think you have a comment on that, um, 
even if that maybe is disappointing, I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's going to be or expected to be, but like even just the gameplay itself is enough to hold it up for me, really. I would say that the base gameplay of East 9 is really great. Like it's basically mm-hmm. East 8, but improved. Like mm-hmm. all the monstrum abilities are pretty fun, though I wish some of them had more utility in combat than others. But the um, story is probably my favorite Nittany's game. I'm very interested to see how people feel about that once it's translated. There's a few scenes in particular that really stand out to me that I really want to see dubbed. I'll just put it that way. Um, I feel like now that I've replayed it, I have much higher expectations for whether it's an East 5 remake or East 10, whatever the next East game is. Because it's very clear that, in retrospect, East 9 was absolutely, like, Falcom really, like, tipping their toes into much, like, broader, like, not broader, um, open-world-ish game development, in, to a sense. Because, like, the main um, hub area, the main town of Balduk, or however you pronounce it, I, I Still haven't checked what the uh, Romanized title for it is that NIS America went with, so I'm just going to call it Baller. Whatever. But it's like that entire city, there's like no loading screens except for like specific side, like many, many dungeons that you can get um, get to from the city or like whenever you go inside. But like besides that, the entire city is just like completely open by the time you've like finished the game. Um, even the fields, which I feel like are definitely not as interesting as the fields in East 8, their scope is a lot larger. Like, even the small fields in East 9 are much larger, much wider, much more open than the ones in East 8 uh, for good or ill. And it makes me interested to see what um, Falcom might be able to do with uh, next-gen development because I'm one how poorly the game performed on PS4, I do wonder if the reason why so many of these areas are kind of empty feeling is because they were running into performance issues, which well wasn't even well, performance wasn't even an issue so much in the fields in the first place. I I don't know. It might have just been rushed. I do feel like some aspects of E9 are rushed, not as bad as say like E8 on Vita, but still to a certain degree. Um, I am curious if um, this time next month we'll have like a confirmation for like either an East 9 PS5 patch or like a re-release because like I know that Kondo has been teasing ideas of how they want to have a PS5 like version of East 9 with some additional like features and he's like teased what some features they might be interested in adding are which uh, would be kind of a kind of a weird dynamic if that gets announced right before NIS America releases the uh, PS4 version, but eh, what happens, happens. But yeah, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy it a lot. I, well, I still enjoy it a lot. I feel like um, if I were to review it today, I'd probably give it an 8 out of 10 instead of a 7 out of 10, but that's just because like the performance is better. And yeah. even, even then, that's kind of iffy because I'm basing it off of PS5 performance, but if you're playing on a PlayStation 4, it's still kind of atrocious, so... Yeah, your your, your comments are still valid, right? So. Yeah, so... Um, very interested to see how fe- uh, people feel about it when it does come out um, in English next year. So, yeah. 
as for the other game I played, which is it's weird because so we got preview code for Puyo Puyo Tetris Two, and then we got a preview embargo, but we still have the code, and they don't have like a separate review embargo. So am I allowed? And like the preview embargo itself was just saying, oh, you can't talk about specific things that are coming post-launch. Yeah, this is a new, a little bit behind the scenes here, but like this is a new sort of system that Sega's done in the past. I think 13 Sentinels is the same way with Josh, where we got like a preview and it's like, you can talk about this at this date. And it's like, well, when can I talk about the rest? And eventually they let us know. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's that type. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> Until further notice. Yeah, they didn't even say, but so considering the only limits for the preview embargo were don't talk about post game, like post up, like post uh, launch updates, and for video, don't show more than X minutes of footage. I think I can talk about this. I think I can talk about this. Uh, so basically, uh, we, accept, we accepted code for Puyo Puyo Tetris 2 based off of the idea that the new skill battle system would be a larger part of the uh, game's identity than it uh, actually ended up being. Yeah, to step back just a bit, they sort of advertised this new skill battle mode, which seemed RPG-ish, like there are stats and equipment and things like that. And even if the game is obviously a puzzle game, it's like, hey, maybe we can just check this part out and maybe focus in on that mode, and maybe it's interesting to kind of talk about. But what you found was... Uh, so basically... My thought was is that it was going to be a much larger aspect of the game's adventure slash story mode, but instead the adventure slash story mode is basically the same deal as the first games. The only difference is is that there is a world map, etc. Kinda, but it's still like more or less completely linear. And the way it works is is that so. If you haven't played the first Puyo Puyo Tetris and you haven't played the story mode, basically the way it worked there is that it was a medley of all the different types of game modes for each of the missions. And that's the same here. So even though skill battles is like the one major new feature for Puyo Puyo Tetris 2, it's like maybe one-tenth of the story mode's content. Huh. It's a different story though, right? It's a new story. Uh... Yes, huh. it's. I mean, it's a Puyo Puyo Tetris story. Like if you okay. play the first game, you know the type of um, type of feeling it's going for. I, I it's charming. I feel like I enjoyed the first one a bit more, um, but um, I guess it was more novel then. Uh, not bad, um, but um, so the main thing that disappointed me is that okay, yeah, it's one tenth of the story mode. That that's fine as long as you still like actually have a reason to level up and equip your characters with different gear for those missions, right? No, because every time you actually get to one of those skill battle missions in the story mode, you have a default pre-built party with pre-built like equipment, pre-leveled characters, that unless you're grinding out the equipment for skill battles, the default one is always going to be the um, the default party that the game gives you is always going to be the one you want to use. Huh. So 
then the only real reason you'd want to do skill battles and grind out parties is if you wanted to do it in multiplayer online, but knowing the types of people that are going to be buying Puyo Puyo Tetris 2, I am 99.9% .9 certain that the skill battles like online queue or like matchmaking is going to be dead within weeks. Yeah, I don't see that lasting. That, that's, not, that's, not, that's not the main focus of these kinds of uh, yeah. audience, rather. So, I mean, I put out a, not even, not even so much a preview. I did, like, write a bit about um, my, th my early thoughts, and we put out, like, a 10-minute video showcasing parts of the first world for, this, for the uh, adventure mode. And it's like, that's there. Um, you can watch it. If you've played Puyo Puyo Tetris 1, I don't feel like there's a major reason for you to get the sequel. I'll just be blind. Huh. Um, but if you haven't played it, I mean, the se the second one's good. The one thing that really annoys me, and I I don't have the Switch version of Puyo Tetris 2, so I can't say if it's just something across the board, but Puyo Puyo Tetris 1 had a really cool HD Rumble implementation on the Switch. I'd still argue probably the best, where, um, like, dropping Puyos and dropping Tetraminos felt different, and you had, like, kind of a soft feel like a plop when you drop down puyos and then there was like a hard like kind of click when you drop the tetraminos yeah. i don't love that yeah i was hoping that since the dual sense controller is basically using the same technology just a little bit upgraded from the switches hd rumble and the fact that they had already implemented hd rumble into the first game's switch version that there might be some of that implementation on the PS5 version of Puyo Puyo Tetris 2. Wait, is there an actual, actual native PS5 versus PS4 backwards yes. compatibility? There is a native PS5 version. There's no reason to play it over the PS4 version. Wow. The only difference, literally the only difference is slightly different button prompts. Huh. There's no haptics on the DualSense, it's disappointing. I, that's, that's and I, haven't, I haven't touched the Switch version. It would be really disappointing if that one even doesn't have like the same haptics that the first game did, in which case I'd say if you own a Switch, just get the first one, ignore the second one entirely, because it's such a small thing, but it's like really neat. Like, <laughs> But um, yeah, overall kind of disappointed. Um, still, like, if you've never played the first one, it's a great game. Like, it's like worth playing it's just if you already have the first one there's not a major reason to get the second there's just like skill battles is like the one major difference and i think maybe there's some slight balance adjustments like if you're gonna do like high level play but the thing is though is that at least the read that i got is that the people that are really going to be getting Puyo Puyo tetris 2 and playing at a high level aren't necessarily the Tetris players, it's the Puyo Puyo players, and those guys are going to stick to Puyo Puyo champions. Because yeah, it's a weird uh, one because they already have their dedicated game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like if you own a PlayStation Five and you want a really nice like pick up and play puzzle game, then I can definitely say Puyo Puyo Tetris Two is well worth it. If you own an Xbox and you want to play Puyo Puyo Tetris, but Sega didn't localize the, fir the first one for you. Well, Puyo Puyo Tetris 2 is localized on well, day and date on Xbox One and Xbox Series consoles. And 
I mean, they already have their. I mean, not to say for Puyo Puyo players, but for Tetris players, they already have the. You have Tetris effect connected, and that's a fantastic well, game. To be fair, I will say that there is a. Well, no, Tetris Effect Connected does have multiplayer, but is yeah, it? Yeah, that's, 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 that's a big thing, and they have a really cool implementation of how they do that, because, you know, you have your standard, like, uh, PvP, but they also have, like, a PvE type of uh, mode in Tetris Effect Connected, where they have, like, like this raid mode, where you actually, like, do, like, a raid battle against a boss using uh, Tetris, and, like, you can combine at certain points of it. They did, like, the implementation of it is really cool, and I recommend people, like, check that out, and, you know, you can try it out for if you have Game Pass as well, like for Tetris players, they have their Tetris game on uh, yeah. Xbox. And on Switch, it's like even if, even discounting the fact that Te- Puyo Puyo Tetris 1 is also on Switch, the fact of the matter is, is that there's both Puyo Puyo Champions for the Puyo players on Switch, but there's also Tetris 99 for the hardcore Tetris yeah. players. Because mm-hmm. it's like, Everything you can do in Puyo Puyo Tetris Tetris, you can do in Tetris 99. And with DLC, you can even just play standard Tetris. <laughs> so it, it's it, one of those things like that. The, the times have caught up, and there are now other alternative options where back then when Puyo Puyo Tetris was a novelty, and there were uh, on top of there weren't any like super great options at the time of release. Uh, you know, counting the fact that there was like the, a stilted release schedule where like Puyo Puyo Tetris wasn't localized officially for quite a time like the only way to get it was importing it like physically I think I don't think there was a digital version way back when um when that like it's one of those things like times have caught up there are stronger alternative options uh in the field now yeah it's still good I'm not saying it's a bad game it's just kind of I don't want to be mean but it's kind of pointless now it really Mm -hmm. is yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. Like, it's one of those things. Like, it, they, they, there was a window of opportunity to really, like, follow up on like a really great game, and like they just didn't go all the way with it. It seems like. Yeah. Again, not bad if you if you're really into like, I'd say, for Puyo Puyo players, I feel like they're gonna feel like they're forced to buy it just to support the series in the West because it's mm. no like champions did come out. It's the series has had a bit of a tumultuous uh, existence in the West, to put it lightly. So, yeah. I mean, Soldier Game still like um, it's a good excuse for people that want a Tetris game on their PS5 and maybe want to get into Puyo Puyo, like get Puyo Puyo Tetris too. More people should play Puyo Puyo. I'm glad that people actually noticed I knew what I was doing in the in the pre video. <laughs> um, so yep, James did write up his thoughts and put some gameplay footage to it on the site. Uh, kind of a weird, kind of a out of balance play for us, but I'm okay to entertain that every once in a while. Not that it's up to me, but I was hoping I would have more to talk about here with like the RPG like skill battles. I was hoping I could have like a follow-up article, but at this point it's just like, no, nothing really I can add besides saying it's just like, yeah, it's there. It exists. Really. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. All right. Two hours of next gen and Puyo Puyo discussion in the books. Who here has played Ark the Lad? I have played Ark the Lad. 
I have heard it from Josh talking about it. <laughs> How do you I feel little, about well, a new English Arc the Lad game? Releasing... I have played this game in Japanese. Oh. So the, the lead, the lead that I am bar- that I am burying is that Arc the Lad R is gonna see a global English language release. It originally released in Japan in uh, 2018. I think so. Yeah, this 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 is getting brought over by Boltren Games, I believe, and they are the ones who uh, recently localized the Fantasy Star Online Idola. I think something like that. Uh, they recently localized that in English a few months back. Um, I played Arc the Lad Art uh, when it came out a few a few years back, and I actually kind of enjoyed it. Like, I, I played a little bit of Arc the Lad before it came out. Like, I, I've I played like the original Arc the Lad games on PS One, like One One. Two, two is really good. Uh, three, not so much. Uh, and then all the PS2 Arc the Lad games were bad. <laughs> Just, uh. But Arc the Lad is a really neat like strategy RPG series. Uh, it's like it, uh, it has like the grids and tactical decisions and whatnot. Not, not necessarily like Fire Emblem. It's kind of, it's a little, a little bit more. Not, not say basic, but it, it, it's not as complex as Fire Emblem. Uh, but it had like quirks to it, like you get a lot of the like Arc the Lad series, like early on. It was like, hey, you can flick a rock at people and whatnot, and like getting the, to this chest and flicking that open. Uh, it's it's kind of a it's it's a neat basic series, like uh, the good ones at least. Like Arc the Lad two is really really good. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and Arc the Lad art is more of what like you would expect uh, classic Arc the Lad games to be on PS one, not like the recent recent-ish PS2 ones that weren't great. Uh, it has, like, the modes where, like, you can, like, descend to, like, the basement and, like, go grind. Uh, it, it's kind of a weird... It takes place at a weird place, Arc the Lad R, because it takes place following the events of 2, like, I think... I forgot how many years after 2. And it, and it retcons 3. So yeah. this is, like, the official canon, the canonical sequel to 2, and just, like, Arc the Lad 3 never happened. Now, if if I were to read a comment that says, "Oh, this is a mobile game," like what, what's, yeah. your, what's your what's your reply to that? I know it's a bit of a loaded question, putting a lot on your shoulders, but some people that's a sticking point. I mean, that's that, that's kind of like the future of these niche uh, Japanese RPGs. I feel like, you know, for better or worse, you do like gotcha for characters in it, uh, so you're kind of at the whims of like, you know, whether you go through the content and like get more of that gotcha currency to roll or to spend a little to get more of that currency that's the nature of the game not necessarily this pay to win i don't know exactly how like where, where the balance has gone on that because I, I only played it for a few months you're falling off but i want to give this a shot because I, I enjoyed what i played of it and there are like neat things about it you can like go against there's a pvp aspect to it where i weirdly enjoyed where you go against like ai versions of like people's teams and like like trying to figure out okay what can I do with my team against their team? Uh, and that, like, it was weirdly like compelling to me in a sense of like trying to figure out how to best optimize my team against their team. It's sure there'll be like power imbalances, but it's not it's, at, at my at the time that I had with it. My team was pretty well suited for like dealing with like some of the more dangerous team comp. I think it's a really cool game that I want to revisit uh, when it gets the the English release. Yep, they haven't dated it, but it is 
slated for next year. Actually, yeah. I don't think they, I don't think they even really specifically said this year. Just they released an English trailer, and it's not even like fully English. It's like partially English. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, I don't think I don't think they're gonna like have an English dub or anything. It's gonna be like Japanese voices. I remember from what I played of it, like the campaign wise, like it's a lot like. I mean, no one's gonna get this, but it reminds me of like Last Claudia, which is like another mobile RPG. Where it actually has like a points of, uh, it's not like fully open world. You go have the stage map, and then you can like travel around where you want to go. But like at some points of that map, where you like visit a town, there's like a whole like storefront, and you like like buy like uh, items and equipment for your characters, or like in-game items. There's actually like side quests you can like embark on as well. And it's like there's a lot of content in the game. That's I, I hope it's localized well. I I know some of the. At least for the beta period of Idola Fantasy Star that I played, like the translations were a bit rough. I know in the final release, some of it was kind of it was better. I don't know exactly, but I didn't. Idola Fantasy Star didn't like resonate with me as much as Ark the Lad R did. So I want to check it out. We will see if it's seemingly next year, but they basically the announcement is basically just. English version is coming. It's kind of yeah. As one of the, yeah, as one of the five people on the planet who has played Ark the Lad, uh, I guess I'll give people the heads up. And get <laughs> give, give, Adam, I, give, Adam, I, give Adam enough time; he'll get to it. Yeah, I own all the Ark the Lad games. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need the time to play them. This kind of goes. This kind of ties into backwards. Because Ark the Lad one two three are on PSN, right. you have to play them on a PS three or a Vita. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think you'll I think you'll like aspects about it. I don't know if you'll like the overall package, but I think I think you'll be with me. It's like, oh, there are de- there are definitely something to these games. This is our first failed segue of the podcast. Oh, I mean, you can't. Immortals <laughs> Phoenix Rising, <laughs> formerly known as Gods and Monsters. So, uh, if in case you weren't aware, this game is published by Ubisoft and developed by Ubisoft. It will have post-launch season pass roadmap. Daily what Ubisoft? No. So <laughs> this game, like, I don't know a ton about it, but I've, I've, I'm on the record on a previous podcast saying, like, we need more Zelda likes. I want more games that just uh, take the Zelda Foundation and do their own thing. Yeah, you're of the Wild specifically. Well, no, anything Zelda. Actually, I'm thinking more like classic Zelda. Okay. But, well, this this isn't classic Zelda. This is Breath of the Wild Zelda. Well, it's yeah. Anyways. <laughs> when I when I read the following line, my eyes just kind of glaze over, and I wish I could be more objective, but like that's my honest reaction. What you didn't watch season said post addition, so the title is um, Ubisoft has revealed that the season pass and post launch plans for Immortals Phoenix Rising following its December third release, and this is probably notable because this is like I think the latest game this year that will be covered by our site under 2020. I don't think that's it. That's not ironclad, but it's seeming like that's how it's going to line up. Um, in addition to paid content, the game will also see continual free updates, including cosmetics, challenges, dailies, weekly quests, and more. I'm just like, oh. I, I, love, I love my dailies and weeklies. Okay. Like, <laughs> hey, like, pass is $40. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I, I've played plenty of service games. I put 200 hours in Division 2. I already talked about Fantasy Star. I played uh, Guild Wars 2, actually had a recent update. I don't know, that's more traditional MMO, but it. I wish, like, I, I just didn't see this game and be like, that's another one. That I want I want dailies 
in my Immortals Phoenix Rising, formerly known as Gods and Monsters, like what a perfect fit. Like that's that's not what I I don't know. It may maybe it's like I'm trying to keep an open mind. Maybe they'll be really maybe it'll be a really cool game to dump so much time into. But yeah, I read yeah, this and I I am the opposite of enthused. It's just uh, okay. I suppose it was inevitable. I guess that's kind of my takeaway right now. Um, yeah. The well, yeah. apparently, like I I completely agree with the whole like dailies bit because that's that is just Ubisoft being very Ubisoft. How many dailies have you done at Avengers so far, George? Um, good point. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> but one of the DLCs actually takes place in China and focuses on like Chinese mythology, and that's actually kind of cool. Like to take the concept of immortals, which is all about gods and mythology, and then like put that in a different setting. Like that's sequel I'm setting. scared of that. I'm actually scared of that because that's going to be a Western interpretation of that. Like I don't know if I'd leave it up to Ubisoft to do that kind of like mythology justice. You know what's a good game that has good Chinese mythology in it? Made by Chinese devs. Genshin Impact. Uh-huh. And they actually do that really fucking well. In Apparently it. it's uh, Ubisoft China. I, I don't know specifically where, but a Chinese Ubisoft, like, play, I, I can't think of the word for it, but they're handling that specific DLC. This is their first big project. So, you know, well, then, maybe... you, then you kind of run into, like, the soupy issue of, well, not, issue is not very weird, the, the framework where games are global now, where Chinese developers under the umbrella of a French company, like, what does that count as? Both or neither. I don't think it's the right answer. It's, well, I'm very glad, George, that you did chime in with something a little bit more meaningful than just me like scoffing at it. So thanks for some uh, balance. No, well, I, I completely agree yeah. with like the dailies, but um, it's just typical. Like nowadays, I know, I know this. Happen. I know this sounds like very tired hat, and I know this this sentiment has been echoed and parroted and parakeeted for forever. But like I, this sort of game, I feel like would have just been perfect as like a start to finish 30 hour adventure like that's all i really kind of wanted expected i don't need something that's like oh, i'm gonna go back to my you know what's my... a self-contained thing that's less than 30 hours and it's a damn good game demons <laughs> demons forever dude yeah demons. yeah that's who i answered like yeah <laughs> Uh, like I'm trying to get. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah, there'll yeah, be something yeah. about this that'll be super compelling, and uh, maybe maybe by maybe in the middle of next year I'll still be playing this every week, like I do Fantasy Star. But I just don't see it. Like a, that's a thin needle. The kind of weird thing about some of the post, some of the season past content too is like, like the second part of it, like stars like a different character with a different mythology, and I'm not exactly sure how it like ties in. And then the third part of it is like a new character, a third new character, and it's like a different gameplay style. And like, oh yeah, it's like one of those like it's like a switch is like it's a isometric, isometric. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, style. It's like I guess I guess on paper that's sort of interesting. Oh, they're just trying something new, but it's just like I'm wondering about like how congruent it's going to be, you know, with the rest of the game. That's what I always oh, wanted: Immortal Phoenix Rising, an isometric camera angle, finally delivering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the game releases on December third. It's not really an RPG. It's I'm interested in it still, just because I'm I'm always kind of a sucker for like these little, um, how do I say this? New, new IP. Ideas. Yeah, it's yeah. a new IP. It's not just something you already know repackaged. It's not just a sequel to something that already existed. It's something different and new. Like in that sense, I'm always on board for something like that. 
but there are certain aspects of this where I'm just like hesitant for just I don't know maybe irrational reasons. Yeah, I don't I don't know yet because like the, the actual gameplay of this game, like I, I can see potential in it. I just hope it's just not watered down. That there is something to it, probably. Hopefully. Speaking of Ubisoft. They have mm-hmm. no response. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, yeah. Um, we're waiting for you. I don't Assassin's have a Creed good... Valhalla. Has anyone here put significant time into Valhalla, or is it just Josh's couple hours? I um, have installed, but I have not actually launched it yet. I want to even build it yet. I want to get to it, but it's it's a lot of hours ahead of me. Anyways, the the headline is is that Assassin's Creed Valhalla. This is actually kind of surprising to me. Has the biggest launch week in series history. Because I just feel like I didn't get the like impression that it was that it had a ton of momentum, a ton of hype, a ton of like. It just I if if the headline had come out that it had like had a soft debut, I wouldn't have been surprised. But no, it's the opposite. It's been the most successful game in the series. You know, I'm actually not shocked that it had such a huge launch because um, I have friends that are really into Assassin's Creed, and um, they loved both Origins and Odyssey. And it makes sense that after the good reception of both those games, that during the cross-gen hype for like the new consoles and whatnot, that Valhalla would see tons of success, especially on Xbox, I'm sure. Yeah, I, it, like I think I'm not sure how to say this tactfully, but because there aren't like any like big Xbox headlining launch games, I think that are like exclusive Xbox. The fact that the Xbox Series X, it didn't really have like a headlining Xbox Xbox exclusive game to play. I think people getting caught up in like the next generation excitement, if they're picking up an Xbox or even a PlayStation 5 and they're buying games to, to play on it, games like Yakuza and games like Assassin's Creed are available and they might pick them up even if they're not like into the series already or what have you. So I think that might help too. By the way, I, the metric I, that is being the, the, the substantiates the best-selling claim is this: um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has sold through more units in its first week than any other Assassin's Creed game sold during the same period. So that's, that's crazy. That's fair, I guess. That's I, I buy it purely for not selfish reasons, but because I I was really into like I, I wanted to play like a, a video game that had Vikings in it after. Um, watching the anime adaptation of Villain Saga. Uh, it's a popular manga in, in Japan that got an anime adaptation, a really good one last year. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready for a fucking Viking video game. Like, Wasn't there some crossover something with Assassin's Creed? Yes. Uh, yeah, like the, the author, I forget his name off the top of my head. The, uh, the author of Villain Saga did like a, a one-off like chapter with uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, like uh, crisscrossing like the cast of Villain Saga with Valhalla. And whatnot, and like that was like super, like super cool. Then, like just awareness of the series and like getting exposure, and obviously getting paid for this work as what and whatnot for it as well. But like it was just like a kind of nice, like kind of cross promotional uh, material of like two different cultures and territories and whatnot. Of like, like a lot of Vinland Saga fans, I, I imagine, got Valhalla because they're really into the series and wanted like a good Viking video game. Speaking of like global like response to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, wasn't this the game where we learned recently that its uh, Japanese and Chinese release ended up having like a, a censorship applied to like the gore of the bodies yeah, and such on it? 
yeah, that's um, that's kind of that's normal for like uh, Japanese releases when it comes to like uh, extreme violence and gore. Like you'll like uh, I think like the most the the recent example that comes to my head like is like uh, Resident Evil Seven, like having like a, a zero Z edition that like doesn't censor anything out. Like they'll have like I I don't think it had one for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but they definitely have like separate releases of like Western games at times where like it's a it's a more intense rating just to not I know. Get- Supposedly for Resident Evil 7, apparently the Zero Z version still was not as bloody or whatever as the English version. Like it, it was less censored, but not completely uncensored. Huh. But yeah. also, I guess Ubisoft, Japan, they basically stated, I, what I gather is that like there was some confusion just broadly about what would prevent this game from being sold in Japan because um, they wanted it to be a worldwide release. I'm talking about Assassin's Creed now. And they just basically, you know, censored the blood and guts and whatever, whatever, fairly considerably. And then they put out a statement basically saying, like, we'll look into this to see, you know, what else we can do. Because they were just more curious. They just, at the time, were just, like, I guess being They took, they took a like, careful, just, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, like, let's just cut it out kind of severely. That way we can guarantee it'll be able to release. And then now we'll look into, like, maybe we can, maybe yeah. we don't have to, yeah, exactly. Um, so... It actually is sort of interesting to like go to like the Ubisoft Japan tweet about this and seeing a bunch of Japanese uh, players complain about it. Like they complain about censorship just as much. And, you know, it's just a different yeah, sort just... of topic. It's interesting to just see like uh, a Western game being censored from the, to heading east. Mm-hmm. Happens uh, more more often than you think. Adam, I think you're still the only one here that's played Void Terrarium. It was one of our earliest uh, casual mode videos over on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's getting uh, a... I don't know if this is a, like just a, a re-release or it's just purely paid DLC. Um, uh, it's a re-release on PlayStation 5 and it's going to be DLC on PlayStation 4. Like whatever releasing on stuff. February 18th in Japan. Doesn't have a US release yet, but as... We kind of repeat on this pretty often. Nice America, it'll it'll be it'll be localized. It'll be released over here, in some fashion. So just another game that was kind of a late, smaller, uh, last gen, I guess. Now we have to say game, getting a PS5 version or at least PS5 compatibility. So none of the none of the additions seem like significant. They seem like just small little cute things. Like you can play hide and seek with Toriko, which is you know I don't know if that does anything, but you know it's like oh that's kind of a cute thing you can do. And then like I guess. In the original game, she could get like one of ten different illnesses that are just literally random, and like now there's more. Like, okay, there's more illnesses. Oh, that sounds grim. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, about it. Okay. I, li- I like how the, I like how that pendulum swung from play hide and seek to get more illnesses. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's like the, one of the main things of the game is that she gets sick, and then you treat you take care of her, sort of thing. Well, anyway, that's coming out. Uh, <laughs> put that on the back of some the of the, it's kind of funny it's actually it's actually kind of funny uh, like the illnesses some of them are just like uh one of the illnesses just like the most the most typical one is just like she's got like a cold or whatever and then there's like some really bizarre ones where like uh her skin is falling off and it's actually kind of creepy uh and then like one of the illnesses is just that Tariko is sad she's the illness oh. of depression dang dude that's <laughs> and she, and she, and she looks <laughs> yeah and she just looks there so sad and you're supposed to cheer her up yeah, I played the game. It was okay. I don't know if um, I have the heart for this game, though. <laughs> if you're interested in that last 60 seconds of uh, Whiplash, 
my emotional state. <laughs> uh, we have some gameplay footage of Void Terrarium on our YouTube channel. Just search casual mode Void Terrarium. You'll find it. Okay, yeah. I've, I've still kind of like uh, weirded out like the official spelling for this game where you're not just like typing it all out. Like in, it's basically a code snippet. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, void is it, a function, terrarium is a truncated word, and yeah, void. Yeah, void is like a, it's 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 written in a you know it's Final Fantasy's uh, stylish like you know adherence is to put it in all caps. That's one thing. I, I just assume it's like a program code, and it's like um, mm -hmm. well, you play as a robot, so it's like I get it. Hey, George, you awake? <laughs> oh, I guess no. not. Just, uh, Operation <laughs> Kate Bishop taking aim is coming to Marvel's Avengers on December 8th. Hello? Oh, there we go. <laughs> Hello. Did you guys not hear me? No. No, we didn't. Great. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I'm here. So I'm you're here. awake. We're talking about Marvel. Oh, God. Yeah, I'll go back to sleep then. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep this in now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Operation Kate Bishop taking aim, coming to Marvel's Avengers on December 8th. And oh, the crowd goes wild. Will it be enough to get 6% okay. of players that already dropped the game to come back? I, I, I feel like super bad for like mentioning this, but uh, like I read some. Uh, a tweet yesterday and like it still sticks with my mind and everything about this game now is like there's a black friday sale going on right now at the peace and store that like discounts this game to like 30 dollars and he's like it's kind of wild to think that this game got a huge price discount before even getting its first like new character <laughs> yeah it's bad it ah. is just i i couldn't even, i haven't even watched the trailer i'm supposed to be the avengers guy and it just it I yeah, have no... George, your your whole purpose of being here is that we all are like <laughs> wow. bummed out about stuff, and you're supposed to come in and be like, actually, I really like this. So I'm expecting yeah. you to come in like when this releases and tell me how good it is. I will play it. I, I definitely you should. I, I owe the Avengers that that I will play it, but I I won't, I'm not excited for it. I, I refuse to show any sort of hype for it. It's just it's just uh, such a depressing game. Sad. Have you tried? Going I think we've talked about this before too, but the fact that the first character is Kate Bishop seems kind of weird. Like she's not—I don't know—like not like a headlining superhero, really. Neither is Hawkeye. Like whether it was one or the other. Yeah. Good. So, like Black Panther hmm. would have been cool. I get why they didn't do it. Like I said last week, but just <sighs> any character now, besides Spider-Man. Which isn't that exciting because we've got a way better Spider-Man game on its own. Yeah, like, it's not like we're gonna. It's yeah. not like when you go go into the Avengers game and Spider-Man is gonna control like Miles Morales in the Miles Morales game. No, it's gonna suck. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Hate to say it, I, I want to be positive, and I. You're not gonna get will... cool. You're not gonna get cool Venom oh. powers in the Avengers game or anything. Oh, you're on the characters. Yeah. I've never. I've never seen the Marvel UI. Uh, but you're on the character select screen and you pick Spider-Man and then it just closes down the game and boots up Miles Morales. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be sick. Okay, I'm I'm on board now. I like to say the And I feel like we this is not really as objective as we could be. Uh Look, man, it's, it's no Anyways, surprise. It's, it's it's like a campaign. So like there's the reassemble campaign, which is the story mode to gather people actually thought that was, you know, yeah, good, decent to good. Um, this is like sort of like a follow-up storyline 
to that. It's not like related I, I, to the campaign. I it just takes place afterwards. Hook, right? the, the, the biggest hook to this is like, there's going to be more story content. And that's what, that's what people yeah. like the Avengers game. People aren't there for the fucking okay, live service game. People are just like, okay, what happens next? It's like the, the where the Avengers game like ends up, there, oh. there's actually interesting like plot threads at the end of that campaign. They're like, oh, okay, I might want to see like see how this plays out. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that's the biggest appeal of this new content. And uh, I, I thought that too. I, I genuinely like when they said that that was the way they were going. That this was all story DLC content. I was like, yeah, awesome. Like I'll, I'll totally be on board for that. But just like, not even two months has passed. I'm just done with it. I just don't care anymore. Like. Mm-hmm. I hate to be so negative on something that like I actually like enjoyed and gave a, a fairly good review compared to most of them, but yeah, it's gonna take more, I think. I mean it, yeah, it's, it's it's not like you were just like optimistic of like the future of this game because like, oh okay, they could do so much with it because they like you know, the story has a solid foundation, even though the live service aspects aren't there. And now they just like kinda like they kind of dropped the ball with it on momentum. Like people were like there was a there was a small period of time after that release, like, okay, maybe people are up for more, but they just they were too, you know. Th- th- this has been a hard year for developers. I-, I I get that, but that it's it's tough. It's definitely tough when you when you're structuring your game to be a live service game and you can't get the, those updates out to capitalize on that momentum. December eighth, Kate Bishop. One second. Uh, I remember. <laughs> I remember seeing. Uh, I remember seeing. Uh, okay, there was a blog post about. Okay, yeah, there's a, there's a Steam post about Marvel's Avengers, and I remember thinking that some of these updates were kind of, like, uh, awkwardly put. Here, I'll just read it. This is from Crystal Dynamics. Uh, Almost three months have passed since Marvel's Avengers launched on September 4th. Along the way, our amazing community has provided feedback that has had a direct impact on the game, including the highlights below. Captain America can now smash doors with his shield throw. All superheroes can now sprint in bases, such as the Hell Center, Ant Hill, and shield, shield something or another. All faction missions can now be obtained in any base. Previously, players had to go to each base to accept their mission. There's Finally. The ability, yeah, the, the ability to scale subtitles and caption size. Okay, uh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's captions, cool. Yeah, closed captions will no longer be automatically dis- be, be displayed in cinematics. Um, it's Some of those just seem kind of weird. Like the first one is just like... Yes, America. Captain America! <laughs> Woo! We have upcoming features that allow for improved experience, such as the ability to replay the assemble campaign. Reassemble campaign. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> you can't already? I didn't even know that's, that. That's, that's so funny. It's like, oh, look great. Awesome. Finally, you're, you're giving us the option to like uh, play the best part of this game again. A pink system for smoother multiplayer. Great. Uh, it, I, just, I just thought some of those were just kind of like really bluntly put. That's like, you can now run. You can now accept missions. Like, wait. Okay, shouldn't these have been there before? <laughs> anyway. No, oh, that's well, so funny, though. Trying to be a little bit more positive, if this game is going to have a very, very long, several-year-long tail, at least they're getting this basic yeah, QOL out of the way early I mean, on. Does, does it? it? Like, if, if, if Numbers don't lie. Does it have a long tail? Uh, yeah, that's my response open. to that. It's just that weird grunt. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm, I'm definitely sure everyone on that staff and the, the and the business people are like, oh, we wish this number was a lot higher. We thought it'd be a, a lot higher. <laughs> well, and I, I've already kind of eaten some crow on this. As someone who has not been interested I, in the, I, my position was always, I'm not interested in this game, but it's too big to fail because it's Marvel. And I mean, I mean that's not, a reasonable expectation. We all thought it'd be like that. And now I'm looking back and like, eh, why did I think that? <laughs> 
<sighs> the only the biggest takeaway I have from this is that I just really hope Gotham Knights does so much different. I think that well, they, I think it was kind of weird when that game was announced because a lot of us kind of had the assumption that it was just going to play Parakeet, but then they're like, nope, this is just a. Is it just two player or is it four player? But it's just like it's a limited. Two yeah, player. like they yeah, actually so, kind of had to like nip it in the bud and be like, "This is a two-player cooperative game. Like, this is not a service yeah. game. This is not a forever game. It's just a two-player cooperative mm-hmm. game." And I'm actually kind of like, "Thank God." That's, I think that's some people still don't realize. realize. I think some people don't realize still like it's not a service game. I think people were just sort of like assumed it would be, and it's like no, it's not. Boil, that's just, what from. they're saying anyway. Like, to be fair, like that's like the trend of the game of the game industry. Yeah. Like just, it feels like everything's a service game at the at that forefront. Like when I first saw Outriders, I was like, oh fuck, another service game. And like now that they've like come out and say, no, this is a self-contained experience, and here's how we're doing this, this, and this. Now, now my friends and I are like a lot more interested that it's not the service game. You know, it's yeah. it's. I would have loved. Everyone, everyone, I would have loved to have seen that clarification on Phoenix. Nope, this isn't. A, this is just a single-player game. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Dailies and weeklies, man. <sighs> I mean, to be fair, Genshin impacts the same way, but we all knew that from the get go. <laughs> it's like, oh, gotcha. Game. Yeah, yeah, it didn't, it didn't ever present itself as anything, but yeah. yeah. And, and even then, I, I still feel like maybe there are games that are not service games that still have, like, not ostensibly service games that still have some sort of like ad hoc, like daily update something or another, you know. I have a hard time actually thinking of an example of something like that. Like, what do you mean? Uh, I know Neo has like Twilight missions that vary based on like there's new ones every day. <laughs> and Neo is not a service game, really. <laughs> remember, man, this is this feels like forever ago. But remember when Crystal Chronicles was going to have like weird rotating <laughs> hard oh, mode yeah, missions yeah, yeah. or something? <laughs> I almost legitimately forgot that game released this year. What a disappointing. We, 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 need, we need to write it that for <laughs> just the previous. Oh. Game of the Year discussion. Well, yeah, let's put that on the list for Game of the Year, just so we can like, immediately kick it off. Just to just to remember it, like I, I forgot that came out too, and I was like, oh right. Not uh, to be cynical, but maybe we should have a list of biggest disappointments. We've we done that before. That. <laughs> we ultimately took it off because, like, it felt like it was like, against the spirit of Game of the Year stuff, the celebrations. Yeah. So that, it, there used to be one. We have, it was we have, a, an, hour, we have an hour of gameplay really footage of. Chris Chronicles Remastered on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Check it out. Man, but yeah, but I, I, I love doing biggest disappointment discussions when you used to have that. Those are really funny. Goddamn. I think, I think we know like <laughs> what, what tops it, though. Yeah, this year, at least. Yeah. <laughs> at least I'm no longer the lowest rated uh, review for it, for it anymore. Well, no, it's not. It's not Cold Steel Four. I'd say it's like, oh, whatever. Okay, it doesn't matter. That's why we don't have that category. There, there are there are multiple contenders. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So another poor segue. Cyberpunk. Um, two different updates this week. We already kind of talked about the uh, Xbox footage. They basically showed uh, a few minutes of gameplay of the Xbox Series. Sorry, Xbox. One X version playing on an Xbox Series X. Glad I got that out. I think correctly. Um, but they also had night. Their Night City. What are they? What are they? The final Night again? City Wire episode. Wire. I was like, is Live Wire Night City Live? 
Whatever. Live wire. Um, yeah. yeah, that's something different. Uh, Night mm. City Wire episode five, which I'll be honest, I did not watch. It seems to focus on two things, the character creator and Keanu Reeves. And I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm like, I'm sure they're fine. I'm not, I'm like, it's at the point where when you're at the fifth iteration of like these bi-weekly updates, I'm kind of like, I already know what this game is. I kind of already know. I kinda, my expectations are kind of already set. I'm not in Thankfully, the mode to like... Of these. The, the, the one cool thing about this was just having like, like Keanu Reeves go into detail about like behind the scenes work he did for the game. Like it shows like his mocap sessions and like talking about oh, like, like it, it, it was actually more interesting than like most other of these wire episodes and, th- and thankfully it's the final one as well but it was just it, it was cool to just, like hear him like describe like you know how it was to work on a video game versus like has other kinds of stuff and like him uh, saying like the last time i've uh i'm used to this environment because of my work in the matrix as neo like a very similar setup that what they had I think one of the coolest parts of it was like kind of referencing that this is a role playing game. And it's like I would play like the same scene as like three different versions of the character, depending on what you know that player's game. You know, in terms oh, of like, yeah, yeah. I can either be I can either be like a cooperative you know person or a, or an asshole. You know, and you know, in voicing an RPG, that's obviously a very different thing than voicing you know a character in a in a movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. I do like how with this release, like the screenshots that are incorporated with it, there's like 10 in a row that are just Johnny Silverhand in like different environments, different poses. <laughs> I mean, literally off the press site, they're called Johnny Silverhand screenshots. So yeah. <laughs> and, and, and finally, you got like a, like, a, like a gameplay trailer, like that actually like, is probably like the strongest trailer of that that game has had so far, because it actually showed like a lot of like scenes from the game in action. And it's like, oh, these are cool set pieces, cool like, uh, things actually going on. It's like okay, I can see the appeal of like this game now, but it's presented like as it is instead of like trying to like giving a flourish of like oh here are all the gangs and here's all the fashion styles and here's the radio stations. It's like just show me the fucking game, dude. Yeah, like yeah. I don't need to compartmentalize and split out into like these components. I just kind of want to see footage just yeah. as it is. And yeah. I will say that even though I didn't watch the video, I have seen a lot of the gifs, gifs shared. I always just say it both ways, so you can't get you can't get mad at me. Um, <laughs> I'm really uh, fucking mad. At you. <laughs> like there's there's one that it's like a, a character like leaning on a bar t- a bar stool counter, and then um, there's like another where you're like it's a side view of a character I think in a vehicle. Basically, long story short, man, the character animations in this game seem top notch. Just like yeah, really really lifelike, almost next gen, quote unquote, this gen. Just we've gotten we've we've gotten a lot better than like the old days of like Bioware face where it's just like two characters stand like straight up face to face interrogate each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect the dialogue will still be a little bit um, Western RPG ish where it feels like you're interviewing every character you're talking to. But like in terms of just like perspective of like where you're talking, whether it's like on a cab or in a cab or at a bar, and it's not just two people standing up straight face to face in some you know room. So that's nice. And it's still on track for December 10th, as far as we know at the at the moment. As far as I know. <laughs> yeah, there's been some like nebulous fear mongering that it might go later, but I think that's just some people are just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave open the possibility that it might happen so that if it does happen, I can say I called it. It just seems like come on. Okay, video game release. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I'm not saying I'm not saying it won't happen, but just hedging your bets and being like it may or may not, and then if it does, you see, like I called it. I'm just like, come on, 
So, so yeah. They, yeah, look, they're, they're trying to they're trying to uh, polish up their insider skills on social media. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we have two different articles on that. One that's the Xbox footage, and one that is the Night City Wire episode five, focusing on Keanu Reeves slash Johnny Silverhand. The last note on here is back to Yakuza. Maybe we should have brought this up um, before yeah. we were talking about it, but it was a late edition. So uh, a YouTube uh, documentarist, is that a word? That's, what do you call yeah, it? Yeah, it's like a documentary team, like uh, the, the documentary team, uh, Archipel. Uh, they're really good at uh, creating, crafting, like deep dive documentary videos of, you know, uh, Japanese media and like sort of walks of life type of stuff, giving like a deep dive. They have this new uh, documentary series that they've uh, been embarking on called the Archipel Caravan. Uh, and they've done work uh, with people like, uh, let's see, oh, where is it? They've done work with people like uh, Kazutaka Kodaka. They've worked with Shinji Mikami. Uh, By the way, I just looked up the word is documentarian. Oh, thank you. So the, so the team at Archipel, the team of documentarians at okay. Archipel. <laughs> so you guys yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. So the they it recently did uh, like a half nearly half hour video uh, with uh, Toshihiro Nagoshi, kind of the head guy of the Yakuza series at the moment, uh, and talking about like the Yakuza years. It's a really fascinating uh, documentary that uh, you can easily find on YouTube from them. Um, and he really goes and talks about like the start of the, the Yakuza series and how they wanted to like pitch it. Like uh, for example. When they were thinking about like the concept of the game, like just basic questions you ask when you're making a video game, especially like one on a new IP out of nowhere, like should it be for like a worldwide uh, audience? Uh, should it be for all for all ages and all like you know, will it appeal to both males and females and whatnot? And you know, the, ultimately they the, the the guiding principles early on for the first Yakuza game was like, okay, we're gonna only set it like. Uh, in Japan, because that's something we know. It's really lifted a huge burden off of their shoulders. And like, we're not going to make it a child-friendly game. We'll leave that to Nintendo, you know, and whatnot. And so they, they decided, okay, so let's be more adult-oriented. And like, and then we're going to make it uh, appeal more to men. And like, hopefully, you know, women won't like it, but it's going to be appeal more to men. And then so that's kind of like the guiding principles of the first Yakuza game. And he thought... He like it had like a he thought his career was done like when the first Yakuza game came out because you know Sega had like mild expectations for it uh, which is like around the fifty thousand sales mark and then he thought it was only, only going to sell like maybe thirty to forty k and like how would he respond to that and then as when that game came out in Japan like copies kept flying and flying and flying off the shelves and ultimately it sold around three hundred to four hundred thousand I believe just way above expectations and it's like it's such a really cool like deep dive on like how the Yakuza series has like developed over the years and grown in popularity. And I guess like the biggest revelation for a lot of people that kind of went around the net from that uh, documentary video was that in Yakuza Like a Dragon, um, it's like the first Yakuza game with a turn-based full-on RPG system. Like that turn-based part of it was only implemented like within like the last like 12 months of development, I believe. Yeah, like the last year of development, and like the and they were only really super sold on like going for that idea. Um, after you know building prototypes of it, uh, was like the really huge positive reception 
from that April Fools video in 2019, and that that game came out in January 2020 in Japan. That's look. I don't know much about like game development cycles, but it feels like that's crazy to like. It was a, like I don't want to say like I doubt this because I really don't. But you do wonder like first of all, I think the risk that they took, and I don't want to repeat myself from an early Yakuza discussion. I just whenever if ever a studio decides not to play it safe, even if it doesn't always turn out. I, I I appreciate just being bold enough to do that. And then when it does turn out, because they had the foresight, they had a good idea in place, like it seemingly has for Yakuza 7, then it's even more, you know, celebratory. So the fact that Yakuza 7 is so based around having a cast of characters, having a person who is obsessed with Dragon Quest, and that's how he, that's how he kind of like compartmentalizes the world, the world. Like, I think if people say, like, it wasn't a brawler and then, until it was, like, that's kind of like a tautology. Like, well, sure. Um, I, I I bet they've been kicking it around this idea for a while. Um, but I guess I don't really know for certain. I just do yeah. I just do know that the outcome was worth it. Yeah. They probably had, like, this idea or concept of doing turn-based and all this other, you know, everything that comes with it. And, like, they wouldn't just do a YouTube, like, spend all that effort to make an April Fool's joke just for no reason. They probably were, it was probably almost like testing the waters. Yeah. Just like, this is what we plan on doing. Let's just kind of see what reception looks like right now. And maybe we can tweak course, change course if it's like, if the reception is like extremely poor or something, but they got the opposite where it was extremely good and they kind of kept on course. I, I, I doubt they like, overnight said like yeah let's change everything from brawler to turn-based it was probably an idea they wanted to sort of test the waters with and probably had plans in motion already something like that yeah that makes that makes more sense yeah it, but it, i think the, the the craziest part about it is like because when you play that game it feels like that thing was planned for the beginning because of how it's so contextualized like inside like the game's narrative like it feels like that was always on day one for that game in the, in the papers, like, oh yeah, that's definitely gonna be a turn-based RPG from day one. I, I don't think that that was probably the case. I imagine there was like some sort of like period where I kind of wonder what it looks like as a brawler and still have this party dynamic. Like, were they like experimenting with like a standard like Yakuza experience as a brawler, but now with like a more formalized party system? Because previous Yakuza games, you sometimes had like. NPCs help you out in battle at certain points, but it was never like you took control over them. So I wonder, like, if they tried to go that route during development, like a Dragon Bird, they had a brawler system, but you can like switch between characters in that. It it really makes me think. Yeah, and more broadly, with any like actually way more broadly, it's kind of interesting to think just like any game that we see like from the final product of like there's probably dozens if not hundreds of ideas or concepts that didn't that are on the cutting room floor that we never see you know it's like as they're playing around with ideas or thoughts in terms of structure or mechanics or concepts or whatever it's just so you know there's like a lot a of stuff that we never port. consider yeah yeah so like at, at one point development was in an infancy where they could have routed it in multiple directions mm-hmm. And that's just kind of like you don't you don't need to know. And maybe on that same, maybe yeah. on that same topic, I kind of like sometimes I'll see people see stuff that's like this was cut out of the game, 
and like it was in there but it, never, it didn't make it into the final product and it's like i don't know if it's saying it was cut out of the game was is necessarily or like the implication that it was like they removed it for no reason they probably were just playing had ideas and you know when like if you're writing up a paper or making a movie there's going to be scenes or paragraphs or whatever that don't make the final product as you're just kind of figuring out what you want it to look like. Yeah. It's like every, it's every video, everything that anything, anything that you create really. Yeah. Any, any creative work, there will be things cut out and added in, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not not like, ah, we will make this an inferior experience on purpose. Uh, so we just, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not how it works, man. But I, th- I think it's just a fascinating like watch. There've been people have like just spare half hour of just like that. That's that's some creative talent like just at work and seeing. Well, I thought it was yeah. crazy to see that that you mentioned their fifteenth anniversary stream, and it's yeah. really only been fifteen years, and we're on the eighth mainline game with a numerous spinoffs. Like, man, what a what a like they're just churning them out, and they're not like how do I wear the like. There's so much, there's such, there's such like an individual quality to at least the ones I've played. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, and they, it seems like the the series didn't really catch on in the West until zero. And that was like 2017, 18. Um, I, th- I think a little earlier. So than more that. than, let me check. I'm curious. Yeah, I think, I think it was like a, uh, 2018, I want to oh, say. For some reason, I thought it was more like 15. No, it, was well, definitely... it took a while to get localized. Yeah, maybe it came out in 2015 in Japan. It didn't come out in the West until 2017. Oh, yeah, so. you're right. Okay, I'll shut up. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's it's like yeah, that's it's crazy. Just like how much it's like skyrocketed in the West just recently. It's it's a it's an interesting story. Like it's awesome to see how the series has grown, and I, I'm really looking forward to that 15th anniversary to see if there's any new project in the works uh, or that. I'm sky, sky's the limit for this series. Judgment too. I would love a Judgment too. Yaga, I'm such a cool character. Judgment for PC, please. <laughs> or that both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a collection for PC. <laughs> We're not yeah, picking up like Machine. Oh yeah, or another or another spinoff in the vein of Kenzan or Ishin. Is I, Ishin? I tried, Ishin? Yeah, I'm trying to think of like all the spinoffs that has had Kenzan, Ishin, the Dead Souls. Dead Souls, the Black Panther games for the PSP. I think there's like two Black Panther games for the PSP. Um, Yakuza Online for mobile. Um, I think that's it, maybe. But anyway, still, there's... all that, all that in only 15 years. What a yeah. also that studio made Binary Domain. Yes, in that time. Did. Wait, they uh-huh. did. Just throw that in there. Yeah, that was like 2011 or 12 or something like that. <laughs> yep, that's them. I did not realize that was also them. Crazy. Now you have a reason to play it. No, I, I have played it. I've okay. It. It was a, I played it on PC. <laughs> this is very, very, this is like the most tangent of tangents. So like people like <laughs> seem to really love binary domain. I played it. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Like, I, and then I didn't really think about it again. So certain people I know. have a really strong attachment to it, but I, I, it was kind of forgettable to me. It was fine. I, rem- I remember the French robot and big bow and that you can like issue voice commands, like using like your microphone to them. That's right. I remember. Yes. <laughs> I remember big bow. <laughs> I remember. I remember, I remember like this giant flying robot that like coiled up or something. They had to shoot its plates off, and it was annoying. That's very, very generic, <laughs> but that's 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 the impression that it left on me. Therefore, aka, not very much. 
You know, they're getting, you know, th- that just reminds me, they're they're like halfway getting to binary domain with Yakuza 7 at some points. Oh, man. I'm just thinking of a certain, like, like, George, yeah, you, you, you've uh, gotten there. You know uh, the the battle arena in the game, the certain Bori one, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's the 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 thing that introduces you to the to, to that thing is like binary domain. Fuck. Binary domain like fuck. fuck. <laughs> I'm oh, oh, what about what about uh, Fist of the North Star? <laughs> oh yeah, they did Fist of the North Star uh, like Lost Paradise or something. Yeah, yeah. Man, they're just shooting out all these games. Uh, <laughs> they can't be stopped. They're too powerful. And that's that's right. the podcast title. <laughs> <laughs> they can't be stopped. RDG Studio oh. is too powerful. <laughs> I like uh, it. Anyways, that does kind of cover all the topical sections. Uh, so a little bit lighter, even though we did still still got an hour out of it. So pretty good. Uh, lots of really cool next gen discussion. Uh, as soon as I can walk into a store and get a PS5, I will. I have no idea if that's going to be in like the next six months or not. Walmart Damn. says. <laughs> I am not the sort of person to go to verified Twitter account, Wario64, and, and queue up. When the, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't like, even bother because bots are literally getting like 99.9% of the PS5 stock going live on like websites right now. Oh, I'm pretty sure the only reason I was able to get mine was because the target thing was pickup in store, which means that the bots weren't uh, going for them, at least not nearly as many, because you actually have to go and pick up the system yourself instead of just waiting on your ass. So, Brian, yeah. you just got to believe in yourself. Don't, don't get discouraged while what James is saying. Just believe in yourself. <laughs> yeah, on the apartment. Brian is on... Uh, it, it is on the record for saying that literally every PS5 is that was is sold out. Everything is gone. Just believe in one, yourself. One thing I wanted to ask before we start wrapping this up is this this is also the weekend of Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Has anyone started or planned to poke at poke at that over the weekend? I want to play it. I, I want to sooner or later, but it's not like a priority. Next gen took the hype out of my sales for uh, Age of Calamity. I don't yeah, get it, but yeah. Right, look, man, it's gonna be hard going back to those frame rates and those loading times. It's that's where's not. The, where's where's the Switch series? It of- seems like Age of Calamity, from what I heard, is kind of like as long as you set your expectations properly to what type of game it is, it's a good game. Like it is a high rewards game. It does have a little bit of like Breath of the Wild, you know, non-essential but cool story stuff, but. You know, don't expect like Breath of the Wild Zero or something like that. It's a it's a spin-off game that takes place before Breath of the Wild more than it is a Breath of the Wild prequel. Is that kind of it? Yeah. There's a nuanced difference. For, there. for what it's worth, like in terms of like I think it's like aggregate like review scores, it's just like it's really pretty much right around Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition. It's very close to that. So just like it's a fine sequel to Hyrule Warriors. I like I like what I hear. I played the demo and then and then mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard I heard some performance issues, you know, on Switch. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily a surprise. But yeah, yeah, a, a, a Muso game on Switch. It's like, hmm, okay, mm-hmm. that was good. That's you know, kind of expected. All right, Maybe. hopefully, made a Switch Pro next year, and hopefully, it runs at a stable thirty FPS. <laughs> yes, wow. that that seems reasonable. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we'll have to get Colin on here to gush about it in a little bit more fanboyish manner than we have. <laughs> <We're terrible. laughs> 
This is why we keep Jordan Cullen around. Hype. You know, what? I wonder if we could have managed to convince Cullen to get on today if I told him we would be talking about Melody Memory, which we didn't actually end up doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be next week. Once the next gen hype's died down, I'll have to have something I can, I can shout about. You say, you say that, George, but what if you get hooked on Demon Souls next week? Uh, yeah, that's, that's mm. or or bug snacks could be one of them. I, I will. I can't, I can't wait to show up next week. And George has played both those games, and he's like, "Yep, my favorite of the year." What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just teasing. I'm all, I'm only teasing you because I know you can take it. Uh, anyways, we we already talked about uh, the Puyo Puyo article that James wrote up. You know, kind of a weird, you know, out of bounds thing, but it is what it is. We've got the videos of some Yakuza 7 gameplay, Void Trium gameplay, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles gameplay, uh, and a few others up on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's been a light news week, but we do have that on the website. We've also got the semi-recent reviews like Yakuza Like a Dragon, like Sakuna of Rice and Ruin uh, up on the site. Uh, you can join our Discord channel by going to the site and clicking on the link at the top of the homepage. You can follow us on Twitter at RPG site. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook slash RPG site net or YouTube RPG site net. Uh, we are, we're here seemingly every week for the podcast. We are here at a very sporadic schedule for casual mode, getting uploaded to our YouTube. And you will hear from us in seven days. So until then, uh, stay safe. Well, actually, let me take that back. That'll be the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here. So I'll, I'll see you here. Against... But we'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right, I'll scrounge up you guys. Uh, you know, sleeping on sleeping on uh, tryptophan or whatever, and uh, we'll have a Thanksgiving edition of the podcast. If you are traveling, try to do it in a safe manner. Distance, wear your mask, wash your hands, don't touch your face. Um, if you are distance... seeing relatives for Thanksgiving, I really hope it's like just really, really close relatives, like just your parents, because. I mean, not not to judge, but yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, 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 we're, we're all wishing everyone uh, a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Just celebrating your own way. The numbers are really high and really big. And until then, we will, you know, play play whatever you fancy on your new consoles if you've managed to snag them, and you will hear from us next week. Talk to you then. Bye, everyone. Good folks.